0: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio.
1: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, your coach, your guide on the side. Top of the morning to you. Man, crazy, crazy Monday morning. The news is now trickling in. About uh, the shooting in Orlando, and um, more and more information coming out. Fifty dead, fifty plus people, fifty-three or so uh, injured. Ah, tragedy, and uh, more and more information about the shooter as well. So uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about that this morning. Also, got a lot, uh, a lot to cover. Joe Cannon will be talking to us. He's our Washington insider. We'll be getting, uh, you know, an up close look at what's going on in the campaign, and also see. How uh, the candidates are responding to the news out of Orlando. That plus, uh, just, we're going to learn a lot about uh, your kids and, you know, making, helping your kids build a mind. Now, it's going to sound a little strange, but everybody has an identity. You have a view, you have an idea of who you are. Seven essential skills later in the show um, that every child needs to learn. We'll get to that. And at uh, hour number three of the program, A UFC fighter talks about his addiction recovery story. And um, interesting stuff. Court McKee will be with us. Got a lot to cover. But first, let's get to the headlines with Terry South. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the country?
2: Thanks, Matt. Just before the Orlando nightclub Pulse was ready to close for the night is when authorities say Omar Mateen emerged carrying an AR-15 and spraying the helpless crowd with bullets. Witness said he fired relentlessly 20 rounds, 40, then 50 more. In such tight quarters the bullets could hardly miss He shot up police, he took hostages When the gunfire finally stopped 50 people were dead, dozens critically wounded In the deadliest mass shooting in modern U.S. history, the FBI apparently first looked into Mateen after he made inflammatory comments to co workers alleging possible terrorist ties. So they investigated, interviewed him twice, and concluded that there was no substance to back up his declarations. Then in 2014, the FBI looked into him again because of his potential ties to an American suicide bomber. So they spoke to him twice. I, I heard this morning, possibly three times beforehand. Yeah. He was a security guard. He had background checks involved with that job, and he was able to uh, to, to get the weapons, right. even though he had been interviewed several times. But he didn't, he what well, didn't hit any of those watch lists that we talk mm. about. So, a crowdfunding campaign raised more than one million dollars Sunday to support the victims of the worst mass shooting in U.S. history in just thirteen hours. A campaign on GoFundMe had raised one point one million to go towards the victims and families of the victims killed in the Orlando shootings. Uh, police in Santa Monica, California, an area of Los Angeles, said they stopped a man who was reportedly headed for the L.A. Pride festivals in West Hollywood in a vehicle loaded with assault rifles, ammunition, and possible explosives. Santa Monica police chief identified the man as James Howell of Indiana. He is said to have told police that he wanted to would do harm, or he wanted to harm the gay pride event. When he was arrested, he was apprehended after neighbors called the police because Howell was knocking on doors and loitering in the area. Wow. Looking suspicious, so they called. And uh, today, Donald Trump faces, as it says here, a high stakes today and possibly political peril with a much-touted speech criticizing Hillary Clinton's candidacy that will also serve as his first public address since Sunday's deadly terrorist attack in our terror attack in Orlando. Mr. Trump's message isn't entirely about being tough. It's about being smart, vigilant and talking about the difficult subjects in order to produce common sense solutions for all Americans That's from his campaign. Mm. Wow. He's talking, I
1: heard him on MSNBC. But what he does or was he no, he was on CNN, but he just he just uh what's it called? filibusters. Mm -hmm. So he'll just start talking and talking and talking and talking. They'll keep trying to interject and ask other questions, and he'll just keep saying the same thing over and over and over. And then I switch the channel, and Hillary Clinton is sounding aggressive and strong and presidential. I mean, he's got to do more than just say the same thing over and over and Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. I mean, I wonder – it worked in the primaries, though. Yes, so I don't so, know if he has any even motivation game. to change. Yeah. <sighs> well, that's the news, huh? Crazy. That's the news. Well, it's sad. It's tragic. Uh, and terrorism either way, right? So whether whether it's uh, ISIS-inspired or not, which they say it is, it's also anti-homosexual gays. I mean, it's, it's just ugly. 50 people dead that... So and it's
2: it's LGBT, it's it's Muslim, it's gun rights, it's, it's mass shootings, it's all these different yeah, hot and it's in issues. the middle of
1: a presidential campaign.
2: Yes. What was the other big event in Orlando? Because this same police chief
1: had an earlier thing last week. This guy is working hard. Was, I'm not sure. There was another you, you recognize. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Huh. He's in. He's in the press. He's he, poor guy is. Working overtime, He's earning his money. Uh, president Obama has also been making comments about it. Let's get, let's get to some of those and find out um, w- what does the sitting president say about what's going on in Orlando?
3: Today, as Americans, we grieve the brutal murder, a horrific massacre of dozens of innocent people. Although it's still early in the investigation, we know enough to say that this was an act of terror and an act of hate. And as Americans, we are united in grief, in outrage, and in resolve to defend our people.
4: Mm.
1: Uh, It's not just an attack on one of us, it's an attack on all
3: of us. So this is a sobering reminder that attacks on any American, regardless of race, ethnicity, religion, or sexual orientation, is an attack on all of us. Today marks the most deadly shooting in American history. The shooter was apparently armed with a handgun and a powerful assault rifle. This massacre is therefore a further reminder of how easy it is for someone to get their hands on a weapon that lets them shoot people in a school, or in a house of worship, or a movie theater, or in a nightclub. And we have to decide if that's the kind of country we want to be. And to actively do nothing is a decision as well.
1: I mean, it's 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 going to be gun talk now. Yes, rather quickly. Yeah, and I mean, he, but the guy had legal guns. The guy was a citizen. The guy, I mean, this isn't—he's not a
2: Syrian refugee, right? That came in and no, he was born here. He, uh, you know, so I mean, and and even though he had been interviewed two or three times by the FBI. They found nothing. So there's no reason to block him from having access that every other citizen would have. Yeah. I mean, in fact, here's a clip from the FBI spokesperson
1: about, I mean, about the FBI interviewing this guy.
0: The FBI first became aware of Martine in 2013 when he made inflammatory comments to coworkers alleging possible terrorist ties. The FBI thoroughly investigated the matter, including interviews of witnesses, physical surveillance and records checks. In the course of the investigation, Mateen was interviewed twice. Ultimately, we were unable to verify the substance of his comments, and the investigation was closed. In 2014, Mateen again came to the attention of the FBI because of possible ties to Monar, Abu, Salah, an American suicide bomber. The FBI conducted an investigation, including an interview with Mateen. We determined that contact was minimal, and did not constitute a substantive relationship or a threat at that time. Hmm.
1: So everyone, well, you know, the FBI, the government's just got to be more. Just got to be more on top of this stuff.
2: That's something you'll probably hear. But again, it sounds like they were. They interviewed him twice. I heard, like I was saying, and possibly a third three time. time, and. There was this – I read an article last night from – it was actually from December talking about it. If you're interviewed by the FBI for some terrorist tie, as they're, they're talking about here, is that enough to take away your rights? Technically, you've done nothing. Right, right. You maybe yeah. – you said something. Maybe you've put something on Facebook. Should they take away rights be, even though nothing proves to be yeah. true? It probably depends on who you talk to.
1: Yeah. Right. Donald be for sure. Take them away. In fact, that's what he was saying. He was, again, and even kind of bragging. Uh, They call it a bragging – what do they call it? A brag text about how he told you. I mean I had said that you got to watch out for this. One of his first announcements was I've been saying these people, these people, air quotes. Um, It's just a tragedy and it's going to get crazy when you think about the gun uh, situation. In fact, I want to talk to Joe about that a little bit later. What does – I mean, if the guns and gun control becomes a bigger and bigger issue in this presidential candidate or this presidential election, what happens then? No. Does that drive more and more people to vote? Will that
2: drive up the voting? Um, who knows? We'll, we'll have to talk to Joe about that. Yeah, Trump tweeted out, appreciate the congrats for being right on radical Islam, Islamic terrorism. I don't want congrats. I want toughness and vigilance. We must be smart. And then he sent an email out similar to that or no. a, a Facebook
1: message similar to that. He's, um, I don't know. He, how do you lead this? Again, he's he the whole time on uh, CNN. He's talking about it, we've got to we've got to shut down anybody coming in from Syria. We've got to um, we've got to start getting the Muslim community to talk more. And again, none of that has
2: bearing necessarily on this. Well, the guy I was reading some things this morning out of the LA Times. This this guy's father. Yeah he's quite a uh interesting uh facebook video <laughs> he? type guy Why? He, he, just his pro afghanistan position kind of anti america views yeah and um like he he didn't come out and say he supported what his son did, but uh the people that were involved in that nightclub they're getting what they deserve is kind uh. of his message you're like whoa." <laughs> Yeah. This is probably the best time just to stay quiet. You're yep. kind of in the public eye more than you're used to. And he's going to uh, kind of feel some of that after comments like that. Yeah. Especially, yeah, with so many, so many people heard. Um, wow. Well. We'll talk about that in a little, you know, later on. Yeah. But just, I mean, the, uh, there's an article I found yesterday about how the presidential candidates responded. Mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton responded like most politicians do where they, you know, prayers for the victims, stuff like that. And then Trump comes back with a different approach, yeah. I guess you could say. And it, it's kind of refreshing in the sense of it's not the same thing that every politician does. But it's also that Trump doesn't have a filter no. type of problem that that he's going to be facing coming up in the next few months. As he's you know now running for president that you know on on the general election stage that sometimes you just can't do the stream of consciousness stuff that he tries to do yeah you you got this where you pull the teleprompter out and but again it's also he's going to he does have followers that that totally agree he asked he he, and one tweet he demanded President Obama resign Uh over this and he's just like what. Yeah because he hasn't he won't say Islam, radical
1: islamic you know jihadist he won't yeah. attribute it to islam he won't go there. Uh Hillary Clinton interestingly though did just come out and will use the words. Hmm. She says I'll use the words. It's it's radical islamic uh jihadists that are doing this. Yeah. She so was talking about lone wolves. Yeah. Lone wolf attacks this morning so. Yeah. So you know, it's uh, it's interesting to see, too, and I, I'm sure this will be, sadly, um, not forgotten, but it will just kind of float down the river. It's, it, it's, and it it's another be. one. Yeah. There we go again. Oh. In fact, they're coming out now. No more uh no what do they call it no more moments of silence no more no more of these moments of silence where we just you know have a wonderful moment of silence everybody feels bad and then there's another mass shooting mm-hmm. we have to do something now which interesting is what they were saying at the last mass shooting it wasn't. so it doesn't seem to go away and maybe there isn't a political solution right so They'll turn it into a political fight, but mm-hmm. again, it's back to the gunfight. It's back to the LGBT fight. It's back to all of these fights. And yet, innocent, innocent people just went to go dancing.
2: Apparently, it was Salsa Night. was <laughs> Ah, uh, they just wanted to dance. So there's some speculation that it was a diverse crowd. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Just, I mean, diversity in all forms. In all forms.
1: Ah. <sighs> And apparently a comment made – his son heard something about – He saw uh, – what game, the father or? said oh, was the, the
2: son saw two men kiss and that – he says that kind of flipped the switch or something. Wow. It motivated him to do this. Man. Well,
1: I'm telling you, humanity, This is, this is what humans do. It's not very humane,
2: but this is what humans do. By the way, not even to mention mental health. Mm. Right, so his uh, we have a quote. We can get to it some other time. But his ex-wife spoke yeah. to the media, and she was talking about. And in her opinion, she saw bipolar characteristics, definitely some mental issue type Isn't things. Isn't that interesting? So we call it terrorism. We call it guns, and yet
1: it's still we we call it prejudice. We call it bias, and yet it still also could be mental health.
2: So adding to all the other issues, mental health, and Which how we haven't really addressed that, that at all. At
1: all. Yeah. Ah, but we'll get caught up in everything. I guess this is the distraction method, right? Everybody, we just start. Everyone chases their favorite thing, and yet the answers and the problems of humanity are much more complex than just one issue. Ah, tough stuff, folks. Well, let's get to Joe Cannon. We'll take a break. Come back. Visit our good Washington insider, Joe Cannon. He's he, he's uh, hates to be called the insider, but he is. And we're going to find out what he thinks, uh, how he thinks this will impact the political world, and also find out, you know, what's the score? After last week, Donald Trump took a beating. The press seemed to finally, you know, be engaged with him and the target. Let's see if it's impacting. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you live longer, love stronger, and make it through some of these harder news days. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Buddy. Little Bob Dylan. We're living in a political world. Hello. And who better to help walk us through that than uh, Joe Cannon. Joe is our Washington insider. He was a candidate for U.S. Senate and served under uh, Reagan in the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency as an assistant administrator. He was also an editor for Deseret News, which is an Intermountain newspaper, a pretty well-respected newspaper in the Intermountain West, Um he, Joe, is also the CEO of Fuel Freedom Foundation, which is an organization trying to lower your fuel costs. We have him on the show because he just, you know, he knows what's going on on the inside and uh, has a lot of friends. We want to always pick his brain, find out what's going on. Joe, welcome to the show, my friend.
5: Hey, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me.
1: You bet. Hey, uh, tragedy in Orlando, which seems to, um, you know, put both of the candidates in a position where they've got a I, I guess, you know, ad lib a little bit, then, you know, deepen their beliefs and deepen their arguments about a lot of things, gun control, terrorism, uh, lone wolves, stuff like that. What what do you think uh, politically is going to happen as a fallout from what happened in Orlando? Uh,
5: well, first of all, it's a, a sickening tragedy, just to start there. Yeah. The, and to me, one of the sickening things is, is that I know if you're a candidate, you have got to comment, uh, and you should comment. Uh, but if you look at what the president said, what Hillary said, what Trump said, you know, all of them, to one degree or another, used it as a as a political um, soapbox. Yeah, and I don't know. I just that to me,
1: it's everyone, too sacred, right? Everyone, it seems everyone was,
5: like it. everyone was a little tone deaf. You know, if you listen to Hillary, our biggest problem is guns, not Islamic terrorism. Although she 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 definitely. Definitely, you know, noted that it was a terrorist act, but you know, it's pretty quickly pivoting to guns. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trump, who could have looked like a president here, uh, you know, he could have he he, he could have looked a uh, kind of you know presidential. Instead, you know, he just comes off. Uh, I don't know. One one commenter told like a you know small time reality. <laughs> TV show personality. Post,
0: yeah.
5: he, he tweets out. First he says, "Okay, last night our our nation was attacked by a radical Islamic terrorists." Mm-hmm. Okay, that 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 sounds okay. I'm, I'm I'm addressing the situation, but then he follows up. He says, "Look, I appreciate the congratulations I'm getting right. for being right on rad- radical Islamic terrorism." Then he follows that with, "I don't want the congratulations. I want toughness and vigilance." <laughs> um, but then if we don't get smart and tough real fast, we're not going to have a country anymore. Um, I said this was going to happen and it's only going to get worse. So, so uh, maybe every one of those statements is true. Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't want to argue, but it's just like, how about saying this is so tragic right. and this deepens uh, our response further illuminates or you know demonstrates yeah. our need to be tough on terrorism. But it turns it's, Many, many, many—not all, to be fair—but many politicians are narcissists on—I'll on, call it the narcissist—narcissist the narcissist spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Some of them are way, way at the edge of the narcissist spectrum. Trump is outside of the. Narcissist he's, spectrum. he's cornered
1: the narcissism chart. It's—I uh, don't know—but it's or, also yeah. you make a great point because you—you you could just you know confer and um share your sympathies your sadness your you know your hope still in america and we can make it great i mean he could just have gone back to his message but still shown um but he made it about himself right he didn't make it about america he made it about himself and he didn't even talk about the people i mean these are human beings
5: Right. I mean, the, the thing is, I, I didn't read every single quote, and I, I probably should have before this call, but yet notably absent is uh, the kind of compassion for what actually happened to real people, right. all of whom have families. Uh, it just, it was a tragedy. Why not just, you know, focus on that? I, I don't know. It just yeah, you know, It's all, all about him, like I said, on the narcissists. Uh, spectrum. He's a few standard deviations off.
1: Talk about um, talk about this because he to me he had his worst week ever at least in in the last two weeks. Right? I mean, it just seems like the media are finally uh, queuing in a little bit more. Uh, his interviews this morning, I think, also showed the fact that um, he 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 got this technique, this trick of maybe having one or two points and then filibustering an interview long enough that they can't ask him other stuff. And it and then I then I listened to Hillary Clinton, who is almost seems like on the other side of the, the spectrum where she seems to know so much. She makes some great points, but it also sounds like a canned traditional politician. And it almost makes you know my head think, OK, nothing's going to happen there either. Um, what's what happens what's happening when you think of uh, Donald um, finally maybe being pushed back on by the media a little bit more and um, and Hillary, is she going to gain ground on this? Do you think, is she going to be able to just slowly keep pushing ahead as the good traditional soldier in this environment where nobody seems to want the tradition?
5: Well, uh, if there's any good news for Trump, it's it's that Hillary is a, Amazingly weak candidate. I mean, she and any other candidate would have, I believe, completely put Trump away. Now, she may have already. I mean, Trump has not—he's only been ahead of two polls in the last several weeks. And the the uh, real quick politics average is showing, uh, you know, the, some movement to Clinton. So that's being that true. Clinton only has 44 percent of the vote. and. On this on average and yeah. Trump has you know 40 percent of the vote so there's about a four percent spread but by the way that spread narrows when Gary Johnson enters the race right I mean it's polled so it's sort of sort of interesting but in any case nobody's getting 50 here so far <laughs> and uh, and you know that's that's the only thing Trump has going on. I mean, I guess what I sense, let me a little footnote by the way I am a Washington uh oh. I went to a I went to church yesterday and uh, there's good news and bad news. Uh, uh several of my friends in the in the in that ward, uh it's not a ward I used to go to but I have friends in it, uh all ridiculed me for being the Washington insider. Oh did they uh, because, because they said uh <laughs> Joe, we don't know what's going on, so we're very happy that the guy from Provo knows what's going on. <laughs> so it's had a lot of time. See, it's, that it's is. getting out the there. Is they, the good news is they're listening.
1: That's right. That's great I mean, news, they're isn't it?
5: They're, they're listening to your radio programs. So yeah, that's,
1: tell, tell them that they can be the Washington Insider, but they just need to tell you what's going on.
5: <laughs> so, anyway, getting, getting back to, the, to Trump and the polls, uh, uh, there are so many people here in Washington— they just want permission to come out for Trump. But he's not giving it to him. He's not, yeah, he's,
1: he's not, not, not making really it easy. He's not
5: backing away. He's, he's not saying, which is what he would never say. Nobody expects us. But all he says is my comments are misconstrued right. about the judge. So you guys are all idiots. because You might, you might think because I call a guy a Mexican vicious names and and an idiot and a bad guy. It's your fault that you misconstrued that. I I love Hispanics, <laughs> you know. It's like, come on, just say what any decent, normal human being would say. Is you know, I, I just got carried away, and I, I'm sorry. Let's get back to the campaign. Mm-hmm. That that's all it would take. Were the numerous uh, politicians, and people running for the Senate. I mean, how this hurts is this: if, if you're running for the Senate in Colorado or. Uh, Oregon, yeah, uh, and, you know a lot of different places, uh, and you're on the fence about Trump. A, you're probably going to lose, yeah, uh, and so the the Senate has a very high chance in my my mind of going Democrat. But uh, he, all he all you all you want is for him to not be so embarrassing to you. And that that should be a fairly easy bar. Nope. But but it, but it's not. It's just making it hard for candidates in states that he needs to win to just step up
1: it's, and you make a great point that people they just want to like it I mean they like him they want they want to be able to like him but it, is it it really seems like it's just it's just him right it's he's He's not the guy that will just be able to show discipline on a point and turn. I mean, he is a guy that can obfuscate and can hide and can, but he's just not one that's going to not chase the rabbit down the hole.
5: Well, he, uh, I, by the way, I just want to be clear. I don't think anyone's wanting permission to like him. I think they are just wanting permission to be able to say he's not such a bad guy. Yeah, he's, he's,
1: he's okay. Let's,
5: let's look at my campaign. Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm ready for the Senate. You know, I don't want to be distracted by, yeah. by Trump, but he can't even he can't even give him that phone they're just looking for a phone uh, uh, you know can he get and, the
1: money I mean because isn't that doesn't that then equate to money and I, I read last week that the Koch brothers uh you know they're not gonna go near him is he he says he doesn't need as much money because he can get so much free press which i don't well, I think that was real in the primaries, but is he gonna is he going to get as much free press as he did in the primaries and um, is he going to be able to raise money anyway?
5: Um, well, the money thing cuts a couple of ways that are, that are, that are pretty interesting. Uh, I don't think you need as much money to run a campaign as a lot of people do because you look at the, the staff structure yeah. uh, of, of most big of candidates and in general, and Hillary in particular way overstaffed, a lot of staff, a lot of money being spent because it's a security blanket. Well, okay, we're going to take that ninth poll in Virginia because that's really important. So there's there's very little check on spending. And so I think he's actually kind of salutary in that respect. That's on the one hand. Uh, on the famous other hand, however, to win elections, there is a lot to be said for a ground game and, and turning people out. And, and in, in states where that mattered, uh, Cruz and the other candidates did pretty well. Right. And, uh, you know, wh- where it took some human resources to, to produce success. And, wow, he, he's, he's, it seems like he's ignoring that. So I think he's right to, to one extent. You don't need as much money, but you do need to be willing to commit the necessary resources on voter turnout, on things like poll watching. You know, uh, uh, trying to avoid the, the corruption that very often happens in big cities. Yeah. Uh, when it when it comes to uh, you know dead people voting and you know more people voting in a district that live there. I mean, there there are, there are a lot of there are a lot of things where you do need people. Yeah. So well, I wonder how that's going to come out.
1: Yeah, let's uh, let's take a break, Joe. We're speaking with Joe Cannon, our Provo, Washington, insider, and uh, he. He is a man in the know, though, and uh, we are picking his brain about all things political. Take, we'll take a break. We'll be right back. Stick with us. friends to the matt townsend show well it's uh it's it's only june folks we've got till november for this wonderful party we called democracy and on the phone with us joe cannon our provo slash washington insider as attributed to some of our listeners back in the dc area uh joe welcome back to the show my friend joe are you there He's just enjoying this. Yeah, no, 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 you're good. You're enjoying this, the song, weren't you, Joe?
5: Well, I, I put you on mute. Yeah. I'm
1: sorry. No, you're good. Hey, Joe, um, talk about um, th- there's there's been a lot of push uh, last week, and, and it kind of it, it demonstrated that there's a schism. It seems like between um, the GOP, you know, kind of national party and their nominee. Where last week was one of the first times people were saying, you know, shape up, kind of. We, we're we not going to just keep blindly following um, and, and and calling Donald out on some of his behavior. And it seems like since then he's he's been paying a little more attention, uh, doing a lot more um, with teleprompters, which I guess is symbolic. Um, what do you think – can Donald – um, and many people are even questioning if he's even really trying to win based on some of this stuff. Is what what really could the GOP do to its nominee or its, you know, potential nominee?
5: Well, I think two things are at play here. One is uh, as kind of we touched on uh in the last segment, there are a lot of people out there who just simply don't like Trump, but they still don't like Hillary and they would like the Republicans to win. They would like permission to at least support trump uh you know whether they fall out of their short form that's a different thing but at least uh they want some permission so they're telling him look this isn't all about one person no presidential race and no presidential the no presidency is all about one person right and there are a lot of people involved in this and you need us you need us electorally in the beginning and then the second thing i think that's coming to play as well not notwithstanding as we We've said this many times. Trump sort of limited awareness of the Constitution of the United States. There are three branches of government, and one of those branches of government is saying, "You know what? You you need to play ball with us, uh, or you're not going to get the things that you want." So I think I think we hear from the senators in general, and from Paul Ryan in particular, is, "Hey pal, uh, you're you're going to need us. Yeah, we need you to win to win." Um, but yeah, you have to show us that we're all on the same team. Mm. You just can't take you can't take it for granted, you know. As I said, on the narcissism scale, lots of politicians are are have have a lot of that. They they want to be needed and loved, but in reality, they do need they are needed uh, both uh, to accomplish uh, to win the election and to uh, implement any kind of agenda.
1: And it's. I mean, it seems like too. You need so you need Congress. A you'd love to keep the Senate, which is in play, um, but it also seems like you need the bigger party in general just to be able to get some of the minutia done, like you were saying, like the polling locations covered and, and watched over, and kind of the door to door get out the vote stuff. Um, right. I mean, you. It really is a. It's a. It's a major enterprise, and yet donald still seems to be running the GO or his version of it just you know out of his little offices
5: well again to be fair to give him his due uh he did win the primary going away without uh, uh following almost any of the traditional rules mm-hmm. of, of doing that so in his mind uh that that's all happened the, the bad news for him or just the the fact is, is the winning a general election is going to take way, far, far, far more people than who voted for him, and far different kinds of people for, who voted for him. But I think a so really important point to make, by the way, is at least at this stage in the polling, he's not doing as well among white males as Mitt Romney did. Was oh, doing wow. This stage. So he's doing a little better, but only a little better than Romney, among white male voters who don't have a college education, but he's getting killed among white male voters who do have a college education.
0: Interesting. And, uh,
5: and, and, and uh, you know, for for him to be successful, he has to at least have that, and then he has to make some inroads into uh, uh, minority voters.
1: What. Bringing up Trump and speaking of Trump, what uh, Trump uh, – or sorry, Romney. Romney had his big meeting here in Utah up at uh, the Stein Erickson Lodge. And he, it seems like kind of as part of the Never Trump movement, Romney came out and basically you know, equated Trumpism to trickle down racism, uh, which – and then ironically, we have this – the shooting in um, in Orlando – uh, so what 's Romney doing? Is he just clearing his conscience? Is he just saying what needs to be said and is he and why is he uh doing it with some of the big thinkers of the conservative party
5: well it 's a kind of a it 's no secret that that lots and lots of people didn 't like Trump and didn 't want him to win and didn 't want him to get the nomination. And a lot of those people are pretty smart people, and some of them are pretty rich people. And he had a, a collection of many of the above uh in, in Mitt's event last week. So that uh you had a, a kind of a natural coming together of people who are kvetching about uh, the, the problem of Donald Trump. I I think the way it resolves itself is, and, and the way this is resolving itself for a lot of people who feel their consciences are at stake here, and that is okay. I'm not going to vote for Trump. I am hashtag Never Trump. I, I don't like him. I don't want him. But I don't like Hillary either. And so, in like the, the case of in which case, I'm not going to campaign. I'm not going to campaign for him. Hmm. Uh, but basically, I'm sitting this out. And a lot of uh, I think you're finding a, a lot of people that Those those people, in terms of votes, don't matter very much. But in terms of uh, of how they affect lots of voters, that, that they, they have an important uh, effect. And in some cases, they have a big effect by not giving money, not being willing to give money and, and finance this big operation.
1: Right. It's um, In fact, they kept bringing up, and people keep bringing up Gary Johnson. Uh, you talked about the fact that when when it's a three-way race, the race is even closer. Um, and so is, is Gary Johnson and uh, his new running mate, I can't remember his running mate's name, but um, Mitt Romney was talking Dill, about
5: Bill Weld, Bill yeah. Weld, who used to be the, uh, governor of, uh, Massachusetts.
1: There you go. Oh, that's right. And so M- Mitt's pretty close with him. And he said, if it if Weld was at the top of the ticket, he'd go with Weld in a second.
5: Yeah. I don't think you're going to say much about Weld's name, whatever that's worth, because I mean, you're not going to hear much about even the third-party candidate's name. Yeah, but it is—it is interesting when when he runs, uh, he hurts both of them quite a bit. But in the net, uh, he hurts Clinton a little bit more than uh, than Trump.
1: That's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it really is. It's uh, yeah, it's just a—it's a beauty contest, you know, with the the bottom of the barrel. Um talk about what you uh kind of what you see going forward with uh secretary clinton she she's it they it seemed like a very concerted kind of unified organized attack last week where there were you know supporters of Clinton on the news every single day with a new angle attack on on donald she's organized she's and energized what do you think
5: well Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton, for that matter, I mean, no, very few people are more masters at dealing with the press than they are. They do have a team in place. They have a clear uh, a message machine. And so yeah, they're not Donald in the sense that by showing up, they get, uh, well, Bill does sometimes, but, but by showing up, they don't get near the press attention that Donald does just by getting up and sending out a, a tweet. On the other hand, they're Extremely disciplined, as you pointed that out. There's a very deep, deep discipline about having all that staff we talked about a few minutes ago, right? And and they're able to do that. They're able to marshal uh, a team of people, put them out at the right time, and get messages out there. All of which are very deeply poll tested, and um, and could hurt. I mean, I I think the polls reflect that he's he is he's stopped rising and he's actually gone down. In, uh, uh, in all of the recent polls. Yeah, now, yeah. Some of that could just be the Hillary bump. She won, she won in a, in a historic way. Uh, and so there, there, there's a, a little bit of a honeymoon glow around her and, uh, and we'll see how long that lasts.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's what they do usually, right? You get your little bump and, um, it's interesting too, uh, because, uh, Warren Elizabeth Warren has has come out and supported her now officially, and uh, which was interesting. I guess I had to wait till the thing wrapped up before she'd get the support. She many are saying would be a very attractive candidate to be vice president. What do you think of that ticket?
5: Yeah. So having been wrong on everything else this year, I'm, I'm probably <laughs> wrong on this. I don't see any way that uh, Clinton picks Warren. Yeah. Uh, Warren doesn't bring anything to her other than what she's already brought by endorsing her. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is saying to a significant chunk of the Bernie Sanders voters, you have a place to come. So she's already played that role. Uh, and and I just just don't see uh, someone way to the left of Hillary Clinton being put on the ticket because that's that doesn't. That helps with her base, which is important,
4: right? But that but, could be
5: that could be done without giving a vice president. Yeah, like I, I don't know who it is, by the way. I don't even have any clue who it might be, but Some, I'm confident that it's not going to be Elizabeth Warren.
1: But somebody probably to bring her to the center, I would think.
5: Well, I mean, there's so many different calculations. There are things going into that calculation. I I, I don't know. Yeah, but I'm, I'm pretty confident in that calculation. Doesn't include a very left wing senator from Massachusetts uh, <laughs> yeah. so, so see that the, on the other side of the equal side of all that calculation is not Elizabeth Warren
1: that's right that wouldn't help well Joe we appreciate you keep up the great work there at uh, Fuel Freedom Foundation thanks for being with us
5: okay can I just make one little yeah. point yeah yeah it, it was 50 years ago today that the Supreme Court decided uh, Miranda against Arizona which there is where you. you get your Miranda rights Miranda rights and it was only three years before that that they decided Gideon versus Wainwright, which said that criminal defendants were entitled to counsel if they couldn't afford it. So huh. and all that famous and all the pop shows were issued yeah. warning. Both of those are predicated on two cases that were that were decided 50-plus oh, years ago.
1: That's awesome. That's See, Joe? You're not just our Washington insider, you are our legal historian.
5: If anybody's interested, it's a very great book called Gideon's Trumpet. Uh, that talks
1: about the whole history of that case. Cool. Gideon's Trumpet. Well, we appreciate you, Joe. Great stuff. Again, 50 years ago, Miranda Wright. The, the, okay. the Miranda case. Thanks, Joe. Take a great, take a break. Go, uh, go have a great time. Back in D.C., give your people a hug. <laughs> All your insiders. Interesting stuff. Seriously powerful. You know, the right to an attorney and your other Miranda rights. The right to remain silent. Don't you wish some people would just take that right seriously not even those that were arrested just those in the political world we'll take a break folks come back continue the discussion this is the Matt Townsend Show helping you see the good in the world we'll be right back
0: because life doesn't come with a handbook you need a coach here's Dr. Matt and his coaching corner
6: Play
1: ball. welcome back everybody to the Matt Townsend Show, you know, with this news coming out of uh, of Orlando and also with just the political race the way it is, life seems kind of stressful, doesn't it? Now, it's summer, so sometimes that relieves some of the stress. Maybe you'll be taking a vacation, but I wanted to give you some, some ideas, some tools to de-stress your life a little bit, and I got uh, some of these from Fortune Magazine, 15 Things to Do When You're Feeling Stressed. Uh, a great article that was out on June 8th. And, you know, we we need it. We need to find a way to de-stress if we can. Uh, but one of the ways, the fastest ways that, you know, you may not be thinking about is to increase, to decrease stress, you need to increase your endorphin production. And one of the quickest and surest ways to to do, uh, to do that is, you know, just get to the gym. Take a walk. Uh, anything that releases endorphins, because uh, with endorphin releases, there's the the that good feeling, that positive feeling in your body. So anything, take a walk today, and and maybe just because the news is tense and you got a lot of people that'll be talking about it, maybe at work, take a break, get out. Don't just sit around the water cooler and and keep talking about it. Instead, get up, go for a walk. Even if you just walk around your building or. Um, just walk around your wherever you are at home. So positive tool. Just get some exercise in you. Just simple stuff. Not You don't have to sweat it out, but something simple. Also, um, maybe a good day today too to watch what you're eating. Uh, if you want to decrease your stress, obviously you might want to watch and, and minimize your um, – your caffeine intake, but also watching out for the food you eat. And we've talked about it with uh, our great Ron Hager. He's telling us all the time, eat whole foods. Don't drink your don't drink your sugars. Um, Create a a, create a space for yourself. Uh, One thing I've done recently at my own house, I'm writing a, a new book and I just try to get away. I go to my office, sit down there and just escape and find a space where I can meditate. Um, I'm getting a little bit better at that. I also have to learn to say no. That's something I'm not great at. We've had on the show just recently some tools on how to say no. So just go look back in our archives on iTunes or on TuneIn and you can see a a complete interview or two within the last two weeks about learning to say no. Also, um, make a list of your goals and when you accomplish a goal or even a part of a goal that you're trying to work on, check it off. That also creates a little endorphin, a little dopamine push for you as well. Um, Another way to de-stress would be get lost in a great book. When was the last time you read a book? Especially a great book. Um, Possibly another opportunity for you is to talk to other people. And uh, they're calling them mastermind groups, but now... More and more people have these groups where they can go share their ideas of what they're doing in their business. It's kind of people that are in similar fields as you. If you're a leader, they might be leaders. Um, If you're a manager, you might have management groups you can go talk to. But get out and talk to other people. I also suggest you leave the office. Get out of the office. Get out of your space. Try to get more sleep. Serve someone. All tools to help you uh, take your life back and hopefully de-stress. So what we're trying to do on the show, help you live longer and get through these tougher days where the news isn't so pretty. Um, but remember, too, the world is good. The world is good. We'll take a break. Come back. More information and ideas right here on The Matt Townsend Show.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter. At Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Welcome back,
1: everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. This is the show where we give you the tools, the information you need to live a healthier, happier life. And uh, today it's obviously... It's harder, it's much harder when you think about uh, the mass shootings, um, the mass shooting in uh, in Orlando, 50 dead and 50 or more injured at a, at a, a gay dance hall, it's just tragedy, and we'll be talking, I'm sure, about that, uh, it'll also be in the news and the headlines as well. Today, also, we are going to be getting into uh, how to parent your kids, like... Your kids, the, their kids are going to be kids, right? But they are growing their own mind, and this mind is something, it's a terrible thing to waste. I think that was a drug ad. It was a PSA. Yeah. We um we, we got to figure out how to uh, parent our children in a way that, that maybe gives them some essential skills for mind management, mind control of their own mind. And so joining us will be Ellen Galinsky, who's the author of the book Mind in the Making, Um, She'll be walking us through some of these skills, the tools we need as parents to make sure we're helping our kids along the way. Also, uh, we will be doing a little Coach's Corner, I'm sure, plus bringing you the latest, the greatest headlines, because it it really is National Kitchen Klutz's Day. So, wow. So if you are a klutz in the kitchen, today is your day.
2: Sounds expensive.
1: This is a video. Uh, we're showing a video of um, the president of the National Kitchen Klutz's Day making dinner. He needs to get some plastic. Yeah, <laughs> have or you or not heard of Tupperware? Tupperware, something. Come on, man. We we're trying to show a lot more video on the on the show. Uh, again, the most visual radio show ever made. It is definitely a unique approach. <laughs> Actually, not ever made because this used it used to radio used to be incredibly visual. Really? Radio theater. Oh, okay. It was huge. Then they got rid of it, and then, you know, everything went to TV, blah, blah, blah. But now we are back, and we're we're going to make it visual again. So we will get to, and be showing you a lot of video today. But first, let's get to the headlines with Terry
2: South. Terry, what's going on around the rest of the world? Thanks, Matt. President Obama addressed the Orlando shooting yesterday, saying, Attacks on any American, regardless of race, religion, or sexual orientation, is an attack on us all and on the fundamental fundamental values of integrity and dignity that help us as a country. He went on to say the FBI is appropriately investigating this as an act of terrorism, and I've directed that we must spare no effort to determine what, if any, inspiration or association this killer may have had with terrorist groups. What is clear is that he was a person filled with hatred. Uh, Daniel Gilroy, 44, worked with Omar Mateen, who was identified as the shooter at the Orlando nightclub, for about a year as a security guard and said on Sunday that he repeatedly warned their employer, G4S Security, that the man accused of murdering 50 people and wounding 53 more at the nightclub early Sunday morning was an unhinged bigot. I complained multiple times that he was dangerous, that he didn't like blacks, women, lesbians, and Jews. Gilroy told the times, uh, LA Times on Sunday, you meet bigots, he added, re- recounting an episode where he said Mateen saw a people drive by and he wished he said he could kill everyone in that car. Oh, wow. But he said he was above and, be- he was above and beyond. He was always angry, sweating, just angry at the world. He was always on edge, always hyper and agitated. This is mm. out of the Miami Herald. Yeah. It uh, sounds like more problems than just being radicalized, radicalized. Yeah. Yeah. There's other issues at hand. In the aftermath of the mass shooting Sunday morning, it left 50 people dead. Donald Trump took the time to pat himself on the back for being right on Islamic mm. radical Islamic terrorism. First, the presumptive Republican nominee tweeted that the incident was horrific and asked, when will we get tough, smart and vigilant? Later, he thanked people for congratulating him on being right on radical Islamic terrorism. And adding that he doesn't want congrats, I want toughness and village, uh, vigilance, we must be smart. Wow. So. Yeah, that didn't seem quite like part, the way you Part you're of the message it. seems like uh, something you would say in that moment. Sure. Parts don't seem quite yeah. the right message at the moment. And our prayers go out to those
1: that are suffering. No, he didn't say that. Yeah. Just that, I mean, it seems like, you know, mourn with those that mourn. And then if... You feel some compelling need, take credit for it all later. Is that in 2 Corinthians? Yeah, that's 2 Corinthians. <laughs>
2: okay. uh, Senator Bernie Sanders said uh, Sunday he may be close to – well, he, he may be close to wrapping up his campaign. He did not say that. No. But you can read from from his comments, read between the lines. He may be close. When asked on Meet the Press Sunday, Sanders says, I will be meeting with Secretary Clinton on Tuesday evening, I believe, and we'll be chatting about her campaign. Sanders says that his primary goal remains doing everything he can to make sure that Donald Trump is not elected president of the United States. But Sanders was quite ready, wasn't quite ready to throw in his full support behind Clinton. He wants to know the details of her platform and make sure issues that he finds important will be included. Huh. I think wow. he kind of knows her platform. Yeah, but oh, they're just—they're just, yeah. just going to have a ceremony where he. But is.
1: can you imagine the pressure he's been under? Oh yeah. When you have the president meeting with you and probably in private saying, "Seriously, wrap it up. You need to wrap it up." The head of the Senate, the head mm-hmm. of
2: the party, everyone is saying, "Dude, get out
1: <laughs> now!" Like Donald's. <laughs> I mean, like uh, what's his name, Bernie? Seriously,
2: you got to get out. And uh, finally, Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella announced today twenty six point two billion dollars as they acquire LinkedIn. Wow! Really? Microsoft buys LinkedIn twenty six billion. The stock for LinkedIn instantly went up forty eight percent. They bought it for twenty six billion. Yeah. The LinkedIn, pur- the purchase gives Microsoft a strong foothold in the world of social networking without having to build a social network from scratch at this late in the game. As yeah, it says here. but it was LinkedIn was valued at
1: twenty six billion dollars. Yes, that's crazy.
2: Yes, because <laughs> I, I believe it would be characterized as a website that lots of people are on. Yeah, but most people don't ever go to. Right. Because or, you go
1: to it when one, you need you know, a job. Once a week
2: though maybe. I mean maybe. like I have a lot of people on it but once a week maybe. I turned off all the notifications because you'd get notified every time someone would say I endorsed you in negotiating or whatever. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks for by the way for neg- for endorsing me in pottery. Yeah. Yeah,
2: that was neat. That's, and jazz I, dance. Most people use it to try to find a job. Yeah. You try to make yourself public, <laughs> You get there. a job, and you're like, okay, I'm done, and then you're done. And that's, I think, the general use of LinkedIn. There's a lot of people who use it to uh, share ideas and yeah. try to, to continue to grow as a in, as a professional. But most people, I think, just sort of it seems like, toss it aside. Wow, but twenty six billion dollars. Maybe that's
1: where you know people are thinking that this whole thing's over. Um, it's overblown. Like these are all overinflated. The pricing? Yeah, yeah, probably. Because, I mean, my my mom, 76, bless her heart, mm-hmm. she's on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> and she – I don't think my mom has LinkedIn. No. Ever.
2: No, there's certain – she's on there. There's certain communities of people. Oh, in yeah. certain industries, Driving. certain businesses. This is a huge place where they go and they contact other people and you can be in that group of people that are doing what you're doing. Yeah. So it makes sense, and especially in a business sense – but uh, I'm not sure, 26 billion, but I don't know. Did I'm, you see? There, this is crazy. There's a
1: Forbes article about a woman who had $4.5 billion of wealth and it just evaporated into nothing. Huh. Um, Theranos was the name of the company's CEO. Oh, yeah. Elizabeth Holmes was once a darling of the start- startup world, but no more. Elizabeth Holmes had a rough year. Um, basically, uh, last October, the Wall Street Journal revealed major problems with accuracy of the company's test,
2: Theranos. They're a blood testing a blood company. blood testing company, yeah. Their test turned out to be not quite what was sold. It wasn't to even be. blood. <laughs> apparently, was apparently, Walgreens had a huge piece of this company. Ah. Either they had the products in their stores or what, but they finally backed away from it. In the report, the magazine's June 21st report, Forbes re- reassessed
1: Holmes's net. Worth from previously pegged at 4.5 billion and lowered it down to zero. Yeah, our estimate wealth is based entirely on her 50% stake in Theranos, the blood testing company she founded in 2003, and uh, it, ba- it it's it went it was worth nine billion dollars in 2014, and uh,
2: it's has gone. gone. Yeah. Well, when you don't have a product. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. But we had uh, a guy on a couple weeks ago talking about the sort of startup culture and investing money. We had the woman on last week about finance versus business. Mm -hmm. And it's it's that kind of thing where all this money is being invested in something that may not even actually exist. And that actually happened here. Where this woman was able to get all this finance, all this funding. Get all the funding. And then when it came to actually putting the product to market, it's like, oh, yeah, wait a second. Let's test this, and it doesn't work.
1: Did you hear about – there's a lot of times, and it's not even just in business, that you think something's going to go a certain way, Mm. and then it all changes on you. Yes. So um, it it happened to a Saudi Arabian man uh, whose bride spent the entire wedding night Mm. texting.
2: Wow, that's disappointing.
1: Right. So she's – they got married. He divorced her as fast as he could, but they got married, and um, she spent the entire night texting, you know, instead of, hey, yeah. it's our wedding night. You've got mail. Uh, <laughs> Dear I was, I was Honey, sweaty. is there any way you could maybe put your phone away? He's texting her. <laughs> mm No, I'm really busy talking to my friends. The couple apparently was sitting in their hotel room following their ceremony when the bride got busy with her phone, responding to congratulatory messages from her friends rather than paying attention to her new husband. Um, According to the Saudi media reports, the groom tried to get closer with her. Just kind of snuggling up in her, snuggling all mm-hmm. on up to her. They're like,
4: hey, little baby, what
1: you doing? Mm-hmm. Try to get a little more intimate, but he was shocked when she ignored him, not responding to his words or actions. When he asked her if her friends were more important than he was, the bride answered that they were. Wow, you are. You mean, you'd think they'd be not as important. A as way my to rephrase that.
7: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, uh, I agree. Her, her response, by the way, infuriated infuriated her husband. Who walked out, and he ended the union right after that. Hmm.
2: Well, maybe she had about <sighs> 20 texts to respond to, and she hadn't even got the mm-hmm. Snapchat that night. So yeah. maybe she had a point. Maybe she was busy. He tried everything, like the fake yawn. All those people Ooh. Facebooked her. She's got to respond. She'll be a jerk. That would be interesting. But, I mean, I
1: mean it seems like you just you, gotta, you have your honeymoon. Yeah. No one's expecting you to respond midnight on the night of your honeymoon.
2: Maybe they are.
1: What kind of friends are those? Friends that don't know boundaries. I guess the same friends that decorated your car <laughs> and ruined your paint job. Those friends.
2: I had people put Oreos. Did they? Well, actually what I did is I had a truck. Uh-huh. So I actually gave that to my dad. He loaded all the wedding gifts into the back of the truck so they could take that away. Ah,
1: that was smart. And then we
2: drove my wife's car so everyone decorated that car and that took like three weeks to get all the glitter out of. Interesting. And I did that on purpose because I didn't want my truck messed up. Her car, yeah, whatever. I faked everyone else out, and <laughs> I don't think they decorated my car.
8: Well, was it because you tricked them out, or because you didn't have
1: a car? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have a car. Mm, there you go. They 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 tried to decorate my cab.
2: We had cabs back then. Cabs, not Ubers. Yeah. Yeah, they so tried what, to decorate. Them. As a relationship coach, yeah. What would your professional advice be for this couple if they came to you before they decided just to end well,
1: it. well what's interesting is did he not know that she had a facebook
2: issue that was my idea issues? if you courted her dated her you would see that there was this phone yeah. there all the time and her face it sounds like her face is constantly in this she phone. was in it yeah
8: maybe they were an internet couple
2: mm. by the way oddly they met online
9: hey no, no way.
1: they may not we don't know that but yeah. I, I Allegedly, would, what you do is you once she she's got to sleep, Brian, and when she sleeps, then take it away. You t- you take the battery out of the phone if it's one of those, mm. and if it's not, you you take her cord. You steal her charging cable. All right, just steal it. You break it.
8: Is it not unhealthy to like resort to theft in a relationship? No, nah, it's
1: perfectly fine. <laughs> I mean, if they're ignoring you on your honeymoon, <laughs> perfectly fine. Steal. Borrow, barter, okay. do what you got to do. So Bo-
8: defining nor, okay. I, I just need to take notes for... Yeah, for-
1: you, you might want to write these things down. You, you, no, I, I'm not defining anything because I don't actually want to impact your life that way. I don't want you to end up fighting with your, your new wife and you're going to say, I know it, I'll get a call at two in the morning on your honeymoon. Matt, but, um, I've got a lot of questions right now and I don't want that. So instead, Ben, I'm going to let you – you just you just answer your own questions. Get a book. Get some books. But thievery and lying is acceptable. Only. Only if they're ignoring you online. If they're ignoring you by texting like this lady to save your marriage so you don't end in divorce. You could talk. You could go uh, – you could go – you could text her. That, okay. that would okay. probably work. I would sit next to her and text her. And, okay. And I would probably, this is what I would do. This is the passive aggressive side of me. I would just text her about 50 times in a minute.
8: Can you do that? Yeah, I
1: just blow it up.
8: Wow. I'm not fast enough to do no, it. No,
1: what you do is you just say, I enter and send the text. Oh, yeah. Am, yeah. Send, just one word at a time.
8: I used to do that when I had – when I was like 12 years old. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It works when you're 30 and you're married too. Okay. It also works, by the way, when you're waiting for your son who's inside a party and he told you to come get him because it was time to go home and he's not coming out. Then okay. you, just, you just blow up his phone like that.
8: It's super So fun. in 20 years, I'll, yeah. I'll keep that in mind. Yeah. yeah. That'd be
1: great. Write that down. Uh, <laughs> poor guy. Anyway, what do you do? We're going to take a break. When we come back, we will be getting into this uh, whole idea of helping the mind-making of your child. They are they have little minds in the making, and you, as a parent, have the opportunity to influence those minds. And who better to help us than the person that wrote the book, Ellen Galinsky. She'll be with us in a minute, folks. Stick with us. We're helping you uh, learn how to lead healthier, happier families. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today, uh, we are talking about your children and how to, you know, get them the skills, the tools, the information they need to grow a healthier, happier life, a healthier, happier mind. And uh, joining us on the phone is Ellen Galinsky. And uh, Ellen is the author of the book, Mind in the Making, the Seven Essential Skills Life uh, uh, Every Child Needs, um, Life Skills Every Child Needs. Ellen is also uh, the author of other books and, and other resources and tools to help us as parents, folks. We need as much information as we can to make it through this crazy thing we call life. Ellen, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure. It really is. Uh, you You have more than 100 books that that can help us and guide us as parents. Walk us through this new one, uh, Mind in the Making. Um, And again, there's a website, mindinthemaking.org. We are really forming the mind of our child, and that's the mind they're going to need to use through the rest of their life.
10: Um, Exactly right. Children are born with all of the neurons, more or less, that they need in life. But what they don't have are the connections among those neurons, and it's those connections that um, shape who who we are and whom whom we become. Um, there have has been for a long time nature nurture kind of debate, but it's 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 irrelevant because um, nature writes on, um, I mean nurture writes on the nature that we're born with. So right. our experiences affect whom we become, and the brain is built. Uh, from the bottom up, so the very early experiences are powerful, but it's never too late.
1: Thank heavens, huh? <laughs>
10: yes, thank heavens.
1: <laughs> and so, I really, uh, <laughs> when, when you when you say uh, the kind of these the, the neurons or the pathways, I mean, we're, the, these end up becoming, I guess, what we would call like a habit. It's a pattern, right?
10: Yes. Um, it, it absolutely is. The way we see the world, the way we expect other adults or children to act toward us, what we learn about the world, all of that um, has its earliest foundations in the first five years of life. But I'm writing a book on teenagers and executive function skills now. So that's a, also a period of dramatic uh, growth and change. Do, so, do, again, kids, uh, I think kids we're going to that... learn more about adults and, yeah. um, and these skills, So. Again it's never too late.
1: Right. Because the kids don't have I mean, developmentally they're growing through stages and so you can't expect a certain way of thinking from a five year old that you could a ten year old or a twelve, fifteen year old, let alone up to a twenty five year old. We've had other researchers on that say this process doesn't I guess your brain doesn't even fully mature in this process till twenty five. Is that accurate?
10: Um in the twenties, but um I'm you know, one of these days I'm gonna start looking at adult uh, brain development, uh, because I think that there, you know, as as our society ages, we're going to pay a lot more attention to that. What I, I started out on, as I do with all, all of my research, on a personal um, quest, an intellectual journey, <clears throat> um, where I wanted to answer the question... Um, why are so many children turned off to learning? I was doing a study of older kids um, and looking at how they felt about learning, and and they were pretty turned off. They saw learning as mainly something that you did to get a job, um, you know, to graduate from your class, to get a job, to be able to earn money so that you wouldn't be a bum on the street. And that intrinsic joy, power, um, connection that we have to learning because learning is a survival skill in all of us um, seem to have dimmed and and I was I began to and studies of school engagement show the same thing that most kids go to school because it's the law or to see their friends and, and uh, you know less than 40% of them say that they go to school to learn so we're doing something in our society that turns off, turns off that engagement and learning and yet I know from the work we do with businesses, that engagement is the most powerful predictor of uh, productivity. So what are we doing as a society? That became my question starting in 2000. I didn't end up – I didn't begin by thinking that I would find that that there are these skills that, as you say, begin to emerge in development, and that if these skills are promoted, that we we can – Thrive now, not just not not just when we're 40, not just when we're 60, but thrive now um, as well as um, in the future. So that totally turned me around. I hadn't ex- I had expected to make um, a, a television show where I was sharing some of the best research, and when I began to see the importance of executive function skills, um, then I went, "Whoa, this is a book, and mm. this is so much more than a book." And so. For now, the last 16 years, I've devoted um, a lot of my time to um, making this research available for free and and online and in and, and many many different ways.
1: And the executive function skills, as as I get it, I guess are tend to be in the kind of the the more evolved brain, the the prefrontal cortex brain, yeah. right?
10: Yeah, they they tend to take place in the prefrontal brain, but the brain is a network, so it. You know, um, I remember in the 92 election how we said it's the economy, stupid. Right. Um, I went to a, a neuroscience conference uh, last year in, in the Netherlands at the end of the conference. Someone wrote on the board, it's network, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: It's a network.
10: Um, yeah. It, the brain works um, as a system, not just as one part. So we tend to, uh, you know, here here's an example of the repercussions of that. We tend to separate out social, emotional, and cognitive development but that's not actually the way the brain works you can have the social emotional parts of the brain more involved but the cognitive is involved right. too so it's uh, you know some of our assumptions about the brain are are not accurate
1: yeah cuz it's it's working as a whole and we break it into its silly pieces right even or its important pieces but it's still right. yeah it's but it's kind of the
10: cortex which is the last part of the brain to develop has been called the orchestra or the air traffic controller of the brain that pulls together the various parts of our brain, our social, emotional, behavioral, cognitive capacities so that we can achieve goals. And uh, executive functions, um, although it's kind of an off-putting word, I didn't like it at first. Yeah, um, I'm used to it now, but in the beginning I thought, oh, maybe I should come up with a different word. Um, but that's what it's called, so I stayed with it. Um, these These are things like... Um, being able to uh, be flexible, that is, not just to react to what's happening, but to be able to change in regard to changing situations. It's called cognitive flexibility. Um, they're working memory, that is, being able to hold the information that you need in your mind so that you can use it, which is why the best tests tap what children, um, how children use their knowledge, not just whether they can recite it. And then inhibitory control or self control, which means that we don't go on automatic, but we do what we need to do to achieve a, a goal so executive functions are always goal directed, which is why they're so important it's how we set and keep goals and then what I did in this um, in the time between discovering this and and then writing mind in the making was to look at the skills that draw on these three core capacities and um, And then also promote them. So I came up with a list of skills um, through through research, evidence based skills that that um, that do just that. But they're 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 normal things like focus and self control or perspective taking, being able to understand how someone else thinks and feels. Yeah, um, things like that.
1: In a way, too, as I as I look at it, a lot of it is is um, emotional intelligence and the ability to to um, engage others. And, and foster relationships but it's it really are they're very basic skills as you say um, that I guess allay those other issues um, talk about some of them focus and self-control now are these things that you can teach children Absolutely. at any age or do you have to mm-hmm. wait till they're to a certain age
10: no 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 you can teach them that they're the precursors of, of executive function skills um, and um, take take focus and self-control control you you come home um, you know after you have a baby you have a baby who gets fussy and gets out of control how do you teach that child to calm himself or herself down when you're most of us watch what the child does and then build on it yeah so if turning on light switches on and off um, you know distracts your child who's you know when your child is having a fit um, you know we'll do that <laughs> yeah
1: yeah let's go there in order
10: to help your, our child calm down, or rubbing our child, or singing to our child, or um, or realizing that, that our child is hungry or tired. We're teaching that basic skill of self-control just in, in not our calming the baby down, but helping the baby learn to calm himself or herself down.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, isn't it interesting? I, I like how you think about this, because we could just sit there and say, oh, I've got to stop that child from doing whatever. But that's just one example of a lack of maybe focus and self-control. You're, te- exactly you're right. basically teaching the, the skill set they need is focus and self-control, right. and there's 100 examples of it in the child's life.
10: Exactly, every day, um, all of the time. And... Um, 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 in, in the, the, the thing that's wonderful about exec, uh, these skills that are based on executive functions is that they can be taught that they're very malleable. And when they are promoted, um, the kids do better. And, and what we've done is to develop a training program that we're out in about you know, 16 parts of the country with now hmm. where, we, um, where we teach them to adults first because we think that when we learn them, and yeah. So this is a, the lifelong learning. When we learn these skills, when we learn how to manage ourselves, we're better able to teach our kids how to manage themselves. And I'll, I'll give you an example from my three-year-old grandson. Um, he, you know, he, he is, you know, like a little, you know, zoomer. If you see something, he wants right. He all. wants it, and he goes fast. And and uh, so we had to teach him ways to. Um, when there might be danger that he had to stop. So it's freeze, or red light, green light. Huh. And, just like the um, game. And he knows, yeah, it's a game. So if we say freeze, we don't say it unless it's really important. Um, then he knows to freeze. And, and so he's learned. He's learning it. You know, yeah, he's learned the self-control. And so there are a million, that's just from yesterday, yeah, but there are a million things that, that, we do all the time with little kids and big kids and ourselves to learn to delay gratification to pursue the goals that we think are most important.
1: It's huge, man, and it's it's needed for all, parent and child. We'll take a break. We're speaking with Ellen Galinsky from uh, the the website MindInTheMaking.org and the book Mind in the Making. Uh, excellent resources I think for all of us. We'll take a break, come back, continue the discussion, learning some other tools um, that are necessary to, to train up our children, our grandchildren, to, to let them have, at least have a shot at this world by possessing some of the higher skills of life. Stick with us. This is The Matt Townsend Show. back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt here, uh, joined on the phone by Ellen Galinsky. She's president and co-founder of Families at Work Institute, which you can find at familiesandwork.org. She helped establish the field of work and family life during the time when she was at Bank Street College of Education, where she was on faculty for 25 years. Her more than 100 books and reports include The Best-Selling Mind in the Making, The Seven Essential Life Skills Every Child Needs, which is what we're talking about today. Ellen, thank you again so much for being with us today.
10: Thank you, Matt. And I I actually wanted to say that Mind in the Making is now a program of the Bezos Family Foundation.
4: Okay, great.
10: um, Take a look at the Bezos Family Foundation, particularly for your listeners who want free resources. There, yeah, Um, we've got a wonderful app called Vroom as a part of the Bezos Family Foundation.
1: Like Bezos, like Jeff Bezos,
10: as in yes, as in (laughs) Jeff Bezos, started by his parents. Oh, that's
1: awesome! How great! Uh So, Bezos Family Foundation.
10: B-E-Z-O-S, Family Foundation.
1: Uh, Excellent. Um, But
10: you can find it also through Mind in the Making. You bet. Um, The other thing that I wanted to say from our previous conversation, because I think you made it a critically important point, and I want to underline it, which is that our approach is, instead of seeing kids' behavior as bad behavior, um, yes, it is challenging, (laughs) not denying that, but um, it's um, opportunities rather than just controlling their Mm. bad behavior. Um, the way we're we 're approaching this is um there are these these challenging situations offer us opportunities to to promote life skills
1: that 's it right it 's not and it, how you respond to it will determine probably what you 'll get out of it if you see it as oh there they go again then yeah, uh,
10: annoying me and i 'm going crazy right <laughs> that 's different than saying oh my gosh here 's an opportunity to Teach my grandson not to run into the street.
1: Right, and and you've you've brought up um, focus and self control as one of them. Another one that I think is so valuable for kids is perspective taking. Mm-hmm. Talk talk about that. I, I did a lot of that work on my um, dissertation for uh, my workshops and stuff. But talk about perspective taking and how. What are some skills or tools we teach around that?
10: Perspective is understanding what you think and feel and what someone else thinks and feel. So it is like emotional intelligence if you include the intelligence part. Yeah. It's understanding the thinking of someone else, um, what researchers call theory of mind, that is understanding what that person may have in his or her mind, um, as well as um, empathy, under you know, feeling what they feel. Um, the way that, and it's very important in um, in helping children do well in school. If they understand what their teachers expect, if they understand what their what the other kids expect, um, that makes a difference. It's very important in literacy. If you can read a story and understand the character in that story, um, that is a big leg up in in uh, reading comprehension. Yeah. And then it's very important, interestingly enough, in conflict um, resolution. Uh, There were years of research on kids who fought with other kids at school and, um, and the efforts to try to solve it by teaching problem solving. And they were moderately successful, but not as successful as one might think. Um, And then the researchers, this is led by Larry Aber at NYU and others, uh, found a missing ingredient, which is what I love about research. It's interesting, Um, which is that the kids most likely to fight with each other were the kids who automatically jumped to conclusions about the other person. They had what the researchers call, in, in typical research language, a hostile attribution bias, which means that they assumed the worst. They assumed that someone else was out to get them. And their life experience may have been that way. But teaching them another way of thinking, that is really stepping back and thinking about what is this other person trying to do, um, really makes a difference. So what they did in the experiment, one of their experiments, is to take literacy, take books, and help to teach the skill of perspective taking. So when you're reading a story with kids, um, kindergarten, preschool, first grade, even three-year-olds, ask them, what do you think that?" Character is doing. Um, why do you think that that you know um, uh, Sally wants to find you know where Spot? But why do you think that Sally the dog wants to find Spot? Mm. Um, and and have them think about the the thoughts and feelings of another person, or why do you think that character acted that way? And so one of the things the free resources we've developed is a series of book tips. Uh, we picked a library of almost a hundred books. Huh and we, um, all of which teach these um, seven essential skills, and we uh, have free book tips that you can download, and they've been downloaded close to a half a million times. Um, they're in Spanish and in English that talk about how to take uh, these children's books, and they're everyday children's books, um, some new, but most of the ones that are very familiar, um, like Goodnight Moon and things like that, um, um, or The Little Engine That Could, and they help... uh families or teachers know how to read these books in ways that also promote this skill.
0: Wow,
1: you know what? Powerful, because we we have so many parents reading with kids, and it really, I mean, I guess it would help in comprehension and ability to read and and their vocabulary, except if you could take the experience a little deeper and and build these other skills simultaneously, that's power.
10: Yeah, and the other thing that we have, it's called prescriptions for learning, but we took... Um, again, uh, almost 100 of the most frequently asked pe- 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 the questions that parents ask teachers or, or, or pediatricians, um, and um, and we did that by looking at the kind of questions that pediatricians report being asked and the kind of questions that parents ask on websites. And again, we take the same approach, which is we bring research to bear. This is not our opinion, um, and we um, show... You know, five, six ways that you can take this problem. My kid is a picky eater. My kids are fighting with each other in the car. Um, whatever the you know the situation is, and and turn it into uh, an opportunity to promote these uh, life skills. So we're trying to translate, or we are. We're not just trying. We're we're translating this research into everyday ways that all of us, families, grandparents, teachers, um, pediatricians, can use. In fact, um, in a project we're doing with Mount Sinai, they're building these tips, these prescriptions for learning, into well-child visits so that the pediatrician will help the, f- the family um, deal with this problem at the age when this problem is likely to emerge.
1: Right. Is, uh, is this... I guess it's being received, well received, right? Because as I look at how many people are involved in my children's lives, it's uh, it's it would seem hard to try to educate every one of them on some on these techniques. How how do you recommend that we go about, you know, talking to our our kids' teachers if they if they have not uh, kind of experienced this, or their their grandparents when when they're visiting
10: uh uh-huh. Well, um, go on to mind making dot org and you will find the book tips. You will find prescriptions for learning. And then if you go to um the website called Vroom, both both of us are programs of the Bezos Family Foundation. Yeah. If you go to the website called Vroom and you have if you have a child birth through five, um, you can download an app that is it's called Vroom. And um and every day uh, mine is sitting right here. Um, you know, you put in your child's age or your children's age, and every day you'll get a tip um, from uh, from uh, uh, you know, like the, from the a, room um, site. Essentially, yeah. Uh, and then if you know, if you're in the grocery store and your kid is driving you crazy, you know, you can go on the app and look at grocery store. And these are things they don't ask you to spend more time with your kids because most of us are really pressed for time, and they don't ask us to spend any more money. Um, and they're written at a third to fifth grade reading level, um, but they they just take the everyday moments that we have with children and and uh, turn them into opportunities for all of us to be brain builders.
1: Hmm. I think that's great.
10: It's fun. I mean, I mean they're it all is. fun. They're all meant to be fun.
1: Yeah, and and really, parenting it that should be fun, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's
10: and then they promote not only content areas like math and STEM sciences and literacy, but they also uh, all of them promote. Um, a back and forth conversation because that's the way kids learn by going back and forth with you not just by being told information <laughs> and they promote executive function skills so you take my game with my son grandson yesterday about you know not running into the street or running across we were at a party running a, you know across the room following a dog um and uh, in a place where he could fall um the um you know you can play uh, red light green light which is Perfect for teaching executive function skills, if you think about it, um, or Simon says is another thing that you can do um, yeah, Does, so um, so all of those things are things that you can do in the everyday moments that you have with your child
1: give us uh, give us one more thing I call it the one thing we just have a couple minutes left, but what would you say as a parent is is of, of the of the seven areas you talk about focus and self control communicating, making connections, perspective-taking, uh, critical thinking, taking on challenges, self-directed, engaged learning, what would you say is is kind of like the the one thing that is the, the place we should all start today?
10: Well, I mean, I, you know, it's like if I had seven children, I couldn't pick my favorite yeah. but, uh, because they all build on each other. Right. Right. Um, so I think that they're all important and there are opportunities all day long for promoting all of them. And you don't have to think about them because, again, if you have a little child and you, and you um, download our app, Join Vroom, um, then you'll, you know, you, they just come to you and then there's a, a brainy background that will say why you're doing what you're doing. Um, so they'll talk about that you're teaching, making connections, or they'll talk about your teaching, taking on challenges. Um, if, if I had to pick one, it would be to help families i I guess i'll pick two um it it would be to help kids learn how to try hard things yeah um taking on challenges taking on challenges isn't just coping with the bad things that happen it's um it's um uh, helping kids um try something that's hard um push themselves a little bit and and that is uh, uh, based on self-control, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, setting goals and achieving them. It's really important. And then I would, as a parent, uh, find something that my my child is interested in. Every child is interested in something.
1: Uh, and, and then we
10: totally beat it out of them.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then, and then start letting them, start letting them, um, yeah, it's self-direct and learn on that. Well, man anyway. we appreciate it we it really i think it's i think it's so important for all of us ellen thank you so much again the websites that uh we could be going to there's so many let's see go to mind in the org. yeah to find the main one. that that is the main one and from there you can eventually get to join vroom.org great right. tools great resources and again uh much of it from the bezos family foundation one of their partners um, helping us all be healthier, happier people. We appreciate the time with Ellen. We're going to take a break, come back, uh, wrap up this second hour of the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us, friends, helping you see the good in the world. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, Managing your kids and um, and being there for them—it's hard, right? Time, skills, the ability to do it—it's—it's it's not an easy thing. And me- I think many of us, honestly, we just we just aren't experienced enough. You know, I think we should—we feel like we should naturally just know how to do this. But how do you know if you've never done it? I honestly can't believe that it happens that way. That that. I should just be raised by my parents and then automatically, I should know how to do it. Most of us don't take the classes in it. Most of us aren't, uh, you know, PhDs that have studied human development. And even those that have, we don't have a clue. Because it's one thing to know it, it's another thing to do it. So just test yourself, push yourself a little bit as a parent and start learning. And what I'm finding for my daughter, for example, and my granddaughter is she doesn't have – my daughter doesn't have all the skills. But when I find a new one, by golly, I'm going to get it for her. I'm going to to be sending her to joinvroom.org and uh, when it works, um, when work works, just all of these different websites that we've been receiving throughout uh, our last guest um, segment so that I can make sure I'm on top of it for my life, for my game. It's hard, but you know what? Everything's hard and worth it. So, we'll get to that uh you know, as a parent, day in, day out, it doesn't go away. It's not going away. Here's the story I got to tell you about. False reports to 911. Now, who on earth would uh call in a false report to 911? Fire, well, we've got video of it. It's the fire department. The the volunteers, four of them from Logan Township, Pennsylvania are facing charges now after police say that they called to report fake emergencies and they called to report fake emergencies because they wanted to get on the fire truck. <laughs> they just love writing. Hey, there, there's the video. In fact, Wee! it also looks a lot like that Geico pig. That is one happy firefighter. So these guys wanted to get on the truck. They were so excited about it as a volunteer. You just, you know, you get called when you get called, but, uh, Apparently, on January 10th, uh, one of them used a phone to call 911 and report wires on fire on Veteran Memorial Highway, and uh, six first responders showed up to that one. On January 16th, the men called 911 and, re- and uh, reported sparks from a chimney. Twenty first responders responded to that one. That's a good one, because that's a house fire. You're going to want to be to that one. On March 4th, a report of a mudslide. Only three first responders showed up to that one. That's kind of boring. It's just mud. Another false report on January 23rd that the cars had slid off the road. And finally, on March 15th, all men were leaving firefighter training, and they called to report a bank was on fire. Almost 60 first responders showed up to that fire to fight it, and that fire actually wasn't even there. So all four of these men have been suspended for six months with no membership privileges pending an outcome of the investigation. (laughs) Faking fires just to get on the fire truck. Now as a guy, I've been an EMT, not to brag. It's the greatest part of the day is to go lights and sirens somewhere. It's pretty fun. And nothing better than when you get there and they have to cancel the call because nothing's going on.
8: So be honest. Have you ever called a fake
1: Never never called never uh, called a fake, a fake fire. Well, or, I mean, not for that. Or emergency? No.
8: Just, just to get on the...
1: No. No. Because I would get 10 calls a day. 12 calls a day. But every once in a while, about maybe one in three or four, you'd get canceled. Because I was on an ambulance, so the ambulance doesn't always need to go. But we, they'd always start sending us, just in case, right? But when they would cancel us, woo! Sweet. We got to go lights and siren. Tons of fun. Now... Every firefighter acts like it's not a big deal, but they love it. They love it. I mean, every cop, I don't care. I mean, it's scary, right? Because they're going fast, but there are rules. You're not allowed to run lights and you got I mean, you, you you have to stop and then you can go through a light. But I've never been closer to death in in an ambulance. Cuz people out there are crazy. And I wasn't even in the back of the ambulance. I was close to death in the front of the ambulance. Scary. Anyway, this is the audio of those firefighters running away or uh, running to a fire that they called in.
0: Wait, wait, wait.
1: they have so much fun on that fire truck. That's fantastic. Anyway, don't do that. Don't do that. Instead, just just relax. Let the fires come to you. That's crazy advice. We'll take a break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Stick with us. Helping you see the good in the world.
0: This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hour number three of the program today. Got a great uh, lineup for you. Court McGee will be joining us, also known as the Crusher. The Crusher! He's an ultimate fighter uh, that is going to come tell us his story about addiction recovery and uh, give us some insight into what that is like and how we can help others um, who are struggling with addiction. He will be joining us in just a few moments. We also are going to be visiting our good friends down at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's going on in their neck of the woods. But first, let's uh, go to the headlines, find out what's happening around the rest of the country. Terry, what's up?
2: Thanks, Matt. Sadiq Mir Mateen, the father of suspected Orlando shooter Omar Mateen, posted a video on his Facebook page Monday uh, claiming that while he was not aware of what motivated his son to go into uh, the club and kill 50 people, he believed God will punish those involved in homosexuality. Sadiq Mateen shares his U.S.-born son's anti-American views, serving as the host of a California-based satellite Afghan TV station for Afghans living in the United States, and express opinions in support of the Taliban. This is all from CBS News. The elder Mateen, who often appears on Facebook videos wearing a military uniform, has also declared himself the leader of the transitional revolutionary government of Afghanistan and claims to have his own intelligence agency that he will use to overthrow the influence of Pakistan in Afghanistan. Wow. That's the house he came from. Okay. Two law enforcement officials report that immediately before the start of his rampage, Omar Mateen called 911 and pledged his allegiance to the self-proclaimed Islamic State. A similar pledge was made online by the San Bernardino terrorists before the uh, 14. they killed 14 people last year. Yeah. ISIS also called on Muslims around the world to attack targets in the West during the holy month of Ramadan, which began last week. The Amok agency, an an ISIS media affiliate, later praised the attack and took credit for it. So far, there's been no established link between Mateen and the terrorist group. The ex-wife of the suspected mass shooter, Omar Mateen, says that she was repeatedly beaten throughout their marriage, characterizing Mateen as mentally disturbed and violent. He would just come home and start beating me up because the laundry wasn't finished or something like that, she said the uh, the side of the Washington Post. She also said Mateen was neither very religious nor drawn to radical Islam during their marriage, which began in March of two thousand nine, and said that he owned a handgun and worked at as a security guard. Wow. Learning a lot about the man. More information coming out. Hillary Clinton stressed the importance of unity and tolerance in the aftermath of the shootings in Orlando, tackling the problem of radical Islam, Clinton said during an interview with MSNBC, does not mean declaring war on the faith as a whole. We cannot demonize, demagogue, or and declare war on an entire religion, Clinton said. Hate is not the answer to hate. Rather than succumbing to partisanship, the politics... Of the general election, Clinton stressed now is the time for statesmanship. During a CNN interview, she proposed reinstating the assault weapon ban that expired 12 years ago. The original ban signed by Clinton's husband expired in 2004 after being highly criticized by such groups as the NRA. Okay, so politicians
1: are jumping in. Yes. Starting to get, give their answers. Well, um, it's tragedy. 50 dead just go, going out to have a little party, just going to dance, dead. Who'd have thunk that, you know, you thought that would be safe. Yeah. Apparently, it's been uh, ISIS, I think they said had made an announcement that they'd be having a ta- an attack in Florida. Hmm. That was one of the things I just read uh, about three or four days ago they were saying that. So there was chatter, but I don't know how you could ever expect to stop something like this. It's th- this is not something you stop. You know, and if we stop a hundred of them, you're going to miss the hundred and first one. So, it's tragedy, and
2: we, as a country, we are sh- injured. This this hurts. Well, in Santa Monica, right? There was the individual. He had a. He was just wandering a neighborhood, and people were like, "What's he doing?" So they called the police, and they find the assault weapons and some other materials in his car, and his claim he was going to go after a a parade that was going on in that in that neighborhood that day. So. Yeah.
1: You know, and then the, you hear more about the father and the father and the son, and we've talked about this. Everyone's going to jump on the bandwagon about guns and mm. assault rifles and assault weapons and whatever your position on that. Okay. Um, but we also don't forget, we have to talk about mental health. And this isn't just uh, Donald's getting on the, the, the point saying, you know, I was right. Don't, I mean, people are congratulating me and I don't want congratulations. But it, what we need to be talking about is, is mental health. This isn't just – it's not just somebody's uh, you know, orientation to life. It's also are you healthy enough to understand what you can do and what you, c- you can't do? And can we find healthier means to have certain conversations? Um, again, obviously, they seem – he was radicalized somehow. Somehow. Somehow motivated to this. Well, not to. Uh, it's hard now. To, how do you change the subject? But I'm going to just immediately take it in a different direction. Uh, and I think in a very good way. They're mm. banning skinny jeans. No. In a school in North Carolina. Really? Yeah. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Yep. Is that the reaction you wanted? Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's time to get rid of skinny jeans.
2: Skinny it- jean ban. Chorus of angels. Okay, cool. Go ahead. Eighth grade Chloe
1: Rubiano of Rome Junior High in Fayetteville, Arkansas, was asked to change out a shirt. Oh, that's a that's a whole other story. Hmm. I, I, I can't even go there on that story. Right. Um, but some of the questions that they're coming up is, are the legging are leggings pants? Yeah. Because that's, I mean, those are like... Some say yes, some say no. Well, yeah. I mean, they cover your legs. Some say they're like pajamas. To, I think they're socks that go to your hips. <laughs> that too. They're hip socks. Uh, they, can skinny jeans be too skinny? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, if you bend over to pick up your pencil, mm-hmm. yeah. And your pants come down?
2: Yeah. Little, your jeans are too tight. They're not fit for you. <laughs> kind of the, if, if they don't make it to your hips. And some people just shouldn't wear them. There's period. that. Yeah. I mean, there's there's the idea of a positive body image, but there's also the idea of a realistic sure. body no, sure.
1: image. Yeah. Know your limits. Do you remember when Ben wore his uh, leggings in and we're like, Ben? It was a little repulsive. I,
8: I thought they looked pretty good. I'm just going
1: to put that out there. You don't own a mirror, apparently. Yeah.
8: I, you're right. I don't, but that See? has nothing to do with. It, it really
1: does. <laughs> and then we looked at the tag and it's like um, onesie for adults. Hmm. Yeah, it's just a little kid-legging thing. Fashion mistakes. They yeah, haven't.
8: they had Lilo and
1: Stitch printing yeah. on him. Yeah, he looked like a little kid going to bed. But it was so cute. Uh, the New Hanover County School Board in New Hanover County, North Carolina, walked right into the flames of this debate when they proposed a ban on skinny jeans to stoke the fire. They then asked their students uh, point-blank on Twitter what they thought of the idea. That went well. Not a good idea. What do you think about the changes made to the district student's uh, dress policy? And then it lit up. Mm-hmm. And people were saying everything and then getting – that's where leggings got into the discussion or otherly excessive, uh, or other excessively tight-fitting pants. Oh, man. Y- you can't win the conversation really is what the principal ends up
2: finding out. is There's a lot of issues behind what people wear and why they wear them. There so, is, because then you start entering into judgments, and yeah. then you start labeling people, and then you're just down a road you don't want to be on.
8: <laughs>
1: so when you were judging me for wearing my leggings-
8: It's
2: different when I do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: the, here's one, per, <laughs> one student brought up this great point. The ban on skinny jeans wouldn't work. That's
2: all we own. So it, unless you're buying us new clothes- There is some truth to that. I mean, people have what you have. As a uh, sturdily-legged individual- Sturdily? Husky. husky Husky-legged individual. Let's just say thick. It's hard to find pants because the trend – I mean, when I was growing up, there was a brand from Levi's called Silver Tab. Okay, yeah. They were extra baggy, right? Right. On me, they looked fine. They They didn't look like it was excessive in any way. Mm -hmm. They fit well. It was great. Well, then they started trimming the – the silver tab down because the trend of clothing was going skinnier on the uh, pants, yeah. and so then all of a sudden I can't even get things over my calf, wow! Because things are so so, you know, rail thin on the on the legs. So even like shopping is ridiculous anymore. So, what what do you wear? I found one. Is that why you always wear sweats? There's one brand that works, okay. one style in that one brand, and it kills it. And eh, I don't really necessarily like them, but they're fine. Mm. I think I mean you look great. My wife says I I have a problem when my clothing touches me, and I do. <laughs> I like to breathe a little bit. People, Come you on. almost want to be naked, but with your clothes on. Not really naked. You no, want everything That's just not hanging. what was implied. No, Maybe you want you everything hanging.
1: So your clothes, everything just is. No one's, nothing's touching you. But it can't be too baggy because then it looks like you're wearing like your big
2: brother's clothes. Yeah,
1: no, you look, you look fantastic. Yeah, I don't care what they say upstairs. But
2: I, this is a problem a lot of school districts go through. Because and it's not just a girl problem no, wearing but, skinny jeans but it tends to go that direction yeah and you start shaming girls for what they're what they're wearing yeah and i mean there might need to be a parental conversation to adjust some 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 wardrobes but when you're 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 going after the entire school district and the only people you're adjusting are the girls right because you don't really think about what the boys are wearing and it's uh it's just so hard because see too then there beca- there comes this point of
1: morality and how do you teach morality You just, I don't know. You you have to have parents more involved, and a lot of the parents aren't involved, right? So parents could teach these issues, and parents should be the ones teaching them. But skinny jeans, again, they've already been banned by the Plumbers Association.
2: As they should be.
1: I mean, come on. A lot of those individuals just should not be anywhere near those. (laughs) Stay away, (laughs) away, plumbers. Don't even think about it. Yeah, but if you can't get the skinny jean over your calves, Mm. it's not going to be a problem for you. You should have been a firefighter or a uh, fireman. No, you should have been a plumber. Um, here's a story. Uh, those of us that are trying to lose
2: weight and stay fit, uh, I uh, have you ever done a spin class? No. I don't like exercise bikes. Oh, really? I just – I mean, I'll ride it for like five minutes, but you're looking at like 30 minutes on a bike? Oh, yeah. Forget I, it. I can't do it because
1: if you're going to be on a bike working that hard, it seems like the bike should be moving.
2: Yes. Right? Right. So – And then a coach – like trying to oh. excite you, like come on, let's do it. no, yeah. no. We're well, done. and usually they're facing you, yeah, and you're like, hold on, this defies
1: physics. It does. You should be at least passing me once in a while. <laughs> and so, an English company, a UK fitness company, may have fixed the problem. Ooh, check this out. Okay, it's what they're offering is a chance for people to exercise while traveling on a bus. Hmm. Right, so you can get on the bus. It's called One Rebel. UK, I guess, okay. uh, is the company. And they have a new service known as Ride to Rebel. And you get on the bus, and the bus has a bunch of stationary bikes on the bus. And you ride the bike on the bus. <laughs> They're bolted to the bus, I right. hope. Okay. Yeah, hopefully. And the, and then they dr- they ride around town, and it gives you a sense and feeling that you are... Moving.
2: Mm-hmm. Why don't they just get you a bike?
1: Well, because th- then you could die. You know, in traffic. This way the bus driver worries about the traffic while you just worry about doing your spinning. And I guess um Does the bus
2: driver eat a donut while he's doing this? Just to no, no. mock the people? Yeah.
1: Neener, neener, neener. Got so donut. the bus driver uh drives around town and he told C N B C uh one of the co founders, said um, we have concerns including a lack of seat belts and helmets. <laughs> You know, that that could present an yeah. obstacle. there you go. So we're working with a bus company and the government to establish all health and safety conditions that we need to. This is an innovative idea. There's no established norms. But due to the high levels of interest, this is something that all of our partners are focused on. So we have a video of their, their, their maiden voyage. The first time oh, they okay. took the spinning bikes out uh, on the bus. And we have a video of it because we're trying to show more video on the radio show. And here's the video. Just listen and watch. It's fantastic. With Ten, See, there's a lady leading them.
0: Eight, and they seven, pump you up. Two, two, six,
1: and you just get going, five, sweating like crazy. Four, She's sweating.
0: Three,
1: two, one. Uh-oh. Oh, boy. Ooh. Oh, boy. Oh, Jesus. Wow. wow. Whoa. Oh, oh. Oh, 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 wow. Wow, that guy's still spinning.
4: Wow. Uh. Oh, oh, oh. Wow.
2: <laughs> that was, um... boy, that well, was... Well, I think that went as, as well as could be expected for should, the situation. But Look, that guy's still I, moving his legs.
8: Should I watch his videos before I... Yeah. Show them on the show?
2: I would. Yeah. Yeah, that was bad. Just to be on the safe side. I mean, it's
1: a bad ending. By the way, that thing was, that bus kept going. Yeah. Must have hit five people, five trucks. Mm. I don't know what to say. Well, I I guess I would, I'd probably, I'd probably just, it's probably safer to just ride around town by yourself. You know, no one needs to. Die riding a bike on a bus. Hmm. Anyway, here to help any way we can, folks. A uh, little rule for you. Just walk. It's safer. It's the Matt Townsend Show. We're going to take a break, come back. A mixed martial arts fighter is in studio. Court McGee will be joining us. Uh, man, he has he is had a quite a little success record and is also successfully taking on even a bigger fight the fight of addiction and his he's going to talk to us about his long-term recovery with alcohol and drug addiction stick with us folks pretty motivational we'll be right back Welcome back friends to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, if you've ever, um, if, I, and I don't know how I got into it so deep, but I, I like, I can't get enough of mixed martial arts. Except my wife is not loving that idea sometimes. She's like, it makes us all too aggressive. But um, here's the deal. In my studio right now, Court McGee is joining me. He's ranked as one of the world's best in the UFC's welterweight division. He entered the UFC in 2010 after winning the 11th season of the Spike TV reality show, The Ultimate Fighter. He's a pit fighter uh, who fights out in Provo, Utah, and joins us in the studio to talk not just about his fighting, but his... um, his fight with addiction and uh, drug addiction, alcohol addiction. Court McGee, welcome to the show, my friend.
7: Thank you. Great to, to, to have here.
1: you. Let me move this mic because I want you to – I want everyone to hear your voice. There you go. That's great. Talk about your – first of all, it's you may, you're famous on TV, but you're famous beating people up. Mm-hmm. And yet you've got this private little secret in your history, your past, that
7: took you for a ride. So not, not so private. As a matter of fact, that – is what got me on the show the the was it the season eleven Ultimate fighter? yeah, I went and I tried out, you try out, yeah, uh, a lot of people go and try out, and they do a couple of portions where they do some striking, some grappling, and then they pick you through a group and you go on to the next one, go on to the next one, yeah. and then they do an interview and it 's a reality television show, so they 're looking for you know they need a story, yeah, they need a story or they need a personality, and so the first time I tried out it didn 't make it um, the second time I tried out. Um, I got in and they said, uh, why should we put you on the show? Yeah. What's different? You know, let let me guess. It's your last chance. And it really was. I mean, it it, it kind of was my last chance. It was to a point where in my life I had made a decision to become a professional athlete and I gave myself two years. I had a wife and one son at the time. I have two now. And I was to the point where I was just barely making it and it was either make it or break it. Yeah, But I didn't tell them that. They've heard that. They've heard it a million times. And they said, so what makes you different? And I said, September 9th, 2005, I overdosed on you know heroin and a cocktail of other drugs and alcohol. And you were dead. They were doing clinically dead, CPR yeah. on you. Yep. CPR and defibrillations. Holy cow. That was in 05? Yep, September 9th, 2005.
1: And here you are. And then, what, then you started getting – you got healthier. But how did you deal with the, the drugs? How did you get away enough from the drugs to go become an athlete that they'd even look at?
7: Well, I started in martial arts at six or seven years old, Shintoshi Karate. I did that. Uh, did a couple of seasons of peewee wrestling, and mm. then uh, one of the instructors, uh, he was kind of like the cool hardcore karate guy. He did some kickboxing, yeah. he did some jujitsu. So he introduced me to that stuff, and um, you know, I just uh, I saw a little documentary called The Smashing Machine, Mark Kerr, and I saw this guy fighting, and I thought, wow, I want to do that. Yeah, and I had a few. Th- you know situations in my life. I got left at uh, an amusement park by an aunt and uncle with some cousins, and I was really young. I got separated from the group. Oh man! And I, I don't know. It's like I was so afraid and so scared. I wanted to never feel like that feel again. That, yeah. So I really pursued the martial arts. Right. I pursued, you know, I I read. Uh, A a portion out of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Encyclopedia of Modern Bodybuilding and wanted to learn how to lift weights and get strong and Mm -hmm. learn the martial arts. I could defend myself. And then that way I'd never have that feeling again. And it just kind of led to, uh, you know, this is what I'm going to do. I got into high school. Um, I graduated from late in high school, but I took... uh, I I placed in the 5A division uh, in in state tournament two years in a row, and I won a national tournament. And so— In wrestling? Yeah, in wrestling, high school wrestling. And then after that, it was like uh, I was going to go on to school and wrestle in college. Yeah. But because of Title IX uh, and— you know, they, they didn't, they didn't, didn't have, offer out-of-state tuition. Uh, I couldn't take a, a scholarship out-of-state. You weren't going to get a scholarship. Nope. And they acquitted every program in Utah. So at the time, Utah uh, Valley University, which was UVSC, didn't have a wrestling program. And I got into an accident and I shattered my collarbone. Pain and, pills. Yep. Uh, I started taking the pain pills. But at 15 years old, I had taken a few drinks. Now, I didn't know. Here, standing here, I have over 10 years of sobriety. Yeah? Having some 10 oh, years great. of sobriety— doesn't take care of a problem that was inherent in my personality long before I drank or yeah, used. Yeah. Now, here's the thing: it's like I didn't know I triggered that allergy at 15 years old. Like 30 million of us in long-term recovery. There's roughly 30, 30 million, in, million yep, in the United States. In the United States, in, in long-term That's recovery. Almost no, 10%. no, a, worldwide. Oh, worldwide. Sorry. Okay. And uh, 90% of us started in our teenage years. Hmm. I was one of those. I had a good family. Yeah. My dad uh, worked at Hill Air Force Base. My mom was an RN.
1: Oh, wow. I have
7: one older brother. Um, you had a lot going for you. Yeah, a lot going for me. I, I graduated high school with honors. I was a good kid. I had yeah. a good family. And I triggered that allergy at 15 years old. Just by drinking. Old. Just by drinking. You know, drinking, trying a little marijuana, yeah. taking a pain pill. Then the you next know, one. And the yep, next yep, one. Yep, And I had that uh, injury. Uh, I had surgery. I got hooked on the pain pills. And I started mixing the pain pills with the alcohol. Yeah. And the next thing you know, I thought, "Wow, I can do anything now." Yeah, you're invincible. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you're so gonna... I did it at work. I did it here. Oh, I didn't. You wow. know. And 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 it. I mean, I didn't know at 15 years old, five or six years later, that I would be homeless, right? And shooting heroin, and it took me there. And I wasn't. I was trying to overcome something I couldn't.
1: You didn't even beat. understand,
7: really. I yeah, mean, I mean I, you know, my family and I. Man, I had criminal charges, all oh, those things. No. Hey, court, why don't you stop? Why don't you stop? You're killing yourself. <laughs> you don't think I tried to stop? Yeah. I tried to. St- I wanted to stop. I was losing everything. I wasn't wrestling. I, I wasn't competing in anything. And then, uh, you know, that fateful day—said the worst day and best day of my life—was yeah. uh, April 16th. So, it, April 16th, 2006, Jeez. my sobriety date. Now this, the overdose was September ninth, two thousand five. So I didn't just overdose, die, and then get sober. Yeah. No. I went back out again. Did you? I went through residential drug treatment. I stayed in the hospital for quite a while, and then uh, in that hospital, uh, a licensed clinical social worker came in, and just so happens he had twenty years of sobriety, and he spoke my language—that cool. language of yeah. recovery. Yeah. And I never what you talked need, to huh? somebody like that. Right. Because yeah. they they can call you on it too, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> like. Yeah, you want somebody that knows you and knows yeah. how this works. After five minutes, he won me over, said, you're a candidate for residential drug treatment. Mm-hmm. What the heck's that? My parents tried to – they didn't know what to yeah, do. sure. They were done with me and they had no clue. Kind of like everybody who knows somebody who's struggling and almost everybody knows somebody oh, yeah. who's struggling. Oh, yeah. Yet – And we don't know it, what to do with them. Exactly. I ask this on radio shows, on interviews yeah. all the time and I'm like – let me ask you: Do you know who somebody who's struggling? Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. I know. You know this person. This person. We've sure. tried everything, and then the next thing they say is, "They're such great people." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Yeah, they are. Yeah. they're your brother. They're your dad. You're your mom. You're the boss. You, I mean, anybody. So drug addiction is non biased. Okay, if they came to you and they asked for help, where would you point them to? I have no idea. Same thing with my family. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, well, you just get a therapist. Yeah. Oh, but not yeah. every therapist is alike, and you need a drug treatment. Program. Yeah, like
7: a licensed clinical and social worker or a twelve-step right, program right. or a residential drug treatment or an outpatient drug treatment. people don't know these no. things are available. A lot of people don't, and a lot of people, you know, I mean, there's there's so and there's a lot of stigma surrounding addiction. Oh yeah. See me growing up, I thought an alcoholic was like the guy panhandling, and I thought a drug <laughs> right. addict was a guy that like came into a your dealer. garage and yeah. stole or sold drugs to yeah. kids. Uh-huh. I didn't know. I was a drug addict and an alcoholic. You're carrying two of those titles. Exactly. And you would have
1: been so disappointed.
7: Exactly. And nobody grows up thinking, oh, I want to be an alcoholic. No way. But it's my biggest and like it's my best asset because I – Okay, I – it it gets me onto the ultimate fighter show. Yeah. I tried yeah, for years. Got you. I was the best guy in the state. I was uh I had one loss to a guy named Jeremy Horn, who at the time was one of the top twenty in the world, and right now he's he's a legend in mixed martial arts. Yeah. He has over a hundred professional fights. He was my fifth professional fight. I mean I I mean I, that, yeah. I was gonna make it. I was there. Yet I couldn't. But I got out of the way of myself. Yeah. I put recovery first. I learned how to live life one day at a time without a drink or a drug, and I was able to be honest. And when those people asked me what makes you different, that's it. I just said, hey, this I overdosed on heroin. And if I stay sober for another couple of months, I'll have five years of continuous sobriety. And they were like, wow, we like you. You're on. Made it on the show. Boom. Did that become a big part of the show? Absolutely. Well, that's huge.
1: How many people you're, and I
7: wasn't going to go. I'm like, there's no way I can go in that house for six weeks. There's unlimited alcohol. I can't go there. Oh, really? Yeah, they medicate everybody. Yeah, and so well, they want to make television, right? But here's the thing: people fighting. I don't look down on alcohol as an institution. I don't look down on bars. I can't drink. Yeah, you can't be near it. No and now i get paid to go to bars and sign autographs so it's kind of like it's weird yeah it's,
1: it's re- you know what you else know? is
7: great though is it and it's
1: mixed with mixed martial arts so you can tell this message to kids that need to hear it exactly I mean, kids want to hear from you
7: i'm the athlete yeah. you know I'm, i and when i walk into a school so i so i do public speaking yeah. and uh you know the first one i did was uh for the narcotics officer who's partly responsible for me being alive today uh, his boss called and you know, said, "Hey, we want you to come speak at this uh, NADDI conference." So I was like, "Oh shoot, cool. I've never." Sp- oh, yeah. Okay, sure, let's do it. Yeah. So I went up and I shared my story, and after that, they said, "We want you at this other conference." And, and now you're going, Now you're on the next circuit. thing was, "Yep, we want you know the, oh each sheriff's department. We want you in this high school here." You
1: yeah. know what, Court? It's it's weird how it comes full circle, doesn't it? Yeah. It's You're there now. Now you're you're a, you're a force. You're a you're an important, essential. Uh, part of Helping Others Heal. Court McGee his name. We'll take a break, folks. Come back. His website's dot com. We'll continue the discussion on the other side of the break. Stick with us. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you see the good in the world. And, folks, it's in the MMA. It's everywhere on this earth. You just got to see the people that are willing to step into the light and, and take the hit. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. In studio with us this is Court McGee. you got to go check out his website. Uh, you may have heard of him. He's a UFC fighter and a, a serious fighter at that. You don't want to mess with the guy. I mean, Ben here was, like, calling him out, but that's last... Yeah, and then then Court just took him out. It's not a big deal.
7: I could see it in his eyes.
1: <laughs> He's going to jump you, Court. He's going to jump you. Watch out for that. Uh, Court was on The Ultimate Fighter on Spike uh, TV. And won that, and um that really launched your career, but the key is what I love about you court, is your your big fight is is alcohol and drugs, yeah, that's and you'll have that for life, yep, and you got a two two little baby, two boys yep, nine and, and five now, nine yeah, they're not little anymore no. and, a, and a and a wife, your high school sweetheart yep. yep how has she uh did she know you back in the day
7: yeah, uh, we've been together since we were about fifteen, sixteen years okay. old, um she yep. fought through we, that. Well, we separated for about a year when I got really bad. Yeah, um, she really left me. She moved to Russia to teach English. Like, you, she? Like she I'm really done. Took done. Off. Yeah, and um, basically, when she came back, uh, we ended up running into each other in a bowling alley, and I was dating a girl, and she was dating a guy. Interesting. And I saw her, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, Chelsea!" And I kind of had written that portion off, like yeah. you know what? Don't go there. Yeah, I'm. You know, it's not going to work. And I saw her, and I was just you know, it was the same feeling I had at 15 when I met her on the soccer field. And I just thought, wow, it's Chelsea. You know, she came up, she gave me a hug, and she said, "Court, you don't smell like alcohol." And I said, "I'm completely sober." I'm clean. And so, in her words, was basically he was everything that I wanted, minus the alcohol. Yeah, he's, and, and he's, is he's that again? Yep. And so, uh, within two years, we were married. <laughs> we were like, you know, how so, cool is that? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, it's. Um, I didn't make any of this happen. I I got sober, uh, you know, a belief in a trust in a higher power. Yeah. Uh a 12-step program, a life of recovery has given me everything of any value in my life. Yeah. So, I was nothing. I was 20 years old. You know, I got sober at 21. I I I relapsed on a few different occasions, but you know, uh um focusing you... on a 12-step program, surrounding my myself with people in long-term recovery, um You know, using a licensed clinical social worker, Mm -hmm. just so happens he was a former drug addict and alcoholic who had multiple years of sobriety. So, you know, they they showed me that that life was attractive without drugs and alcohol. And it's kind of like I acquired this fame, and it was only through my downfall of life. Oh, I'm a drug addict. Those things that you know people don't talk about, right? Right. And I talked about it, and you know, it was like it was it was fulfilling because. I made it on that show, and I was able to show people, like, hey, we're incredible people. They're drug addicts more, and alcoholics. Yeah. yeah. And, and recovery is attractive. Um, you know, and I get these opportunities to go speak. You know, hey, mm-hmm. you talk about, you know, my story came out. ESPN did some documentaries. You know, they did a sports center piece. A bunch of articles came out about yeah. it. And then all of a sudden, it was kind of like, That that that's what was attracted. It's almost like
1: your new call, though. It's a your call. It's probably your old calling. It all started when you were 15. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's and again, you can reach these 15 year olds, I I think, in a way that no one else can. I mean, they could have a church leader telling them, stay away from alcohol. But it's different than an MMA fighter
7: that had it beat him up. Absolutely. But my my partner, Kenley. Yeah. He is an intellectual. Yeah. And we have the same story. Dude. We have the same story. He's in long-term recovery. How cool, though. But, and you guys work together. Yep. Are you thinking of
1: starting a program? Because I sit there and I think eventually you're going to need to retire. Yep. Right? And so when you retire, get out there and get programs and help people and use mixed so martial we, arts we as a means.
7: Right now we speak. And, and we – you know, and if – there's such a problem with substance abuse. Oh yeah. I mean, there's roughly 130 people who die a day of accidental overdose in the United States. It's 130 crazy. people a day accidentally overdosed, just like I yeah. almost accidentally overdosed and died. You know, <laughs> and and if there wasn't such a unusual set of circumstances that happened, I wouldn't be here. Right. And I couldn't see that, but After a little bit of sobriety, after a little bit of time, I started seeing these miracles happen in other people's life. And I started thinking, wow, I can go somewhere. I can do anything. I can do incredible things. We can do incredible things. And then I see as a professional athlete, I can reach an audience. I can get those kids that are the tough kids and the Mm -hmm. this and the that. But I go speak in front of 2,200 high school students. And it's like uh, I start asking questions. But they need to talk. They need to talk to me. I can share my story. But you, they need you, to
1: open up, don't they? Yeah.
7: I go in and I speak and and, I, and they, they listen. And there's ones in there that struggle. There's ones that will struggle. There's, right. you know, I mean, the statistics are real. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it's going to happen. And a lot of kids are going to try it. And they're not going to know that they have the disease of addiction inherent in their personality. Right, right. And they're going to trigger that allergy. And within a few years, boom, they're going to be just like but the two kids. But they may not be able to, they may not have a
1: talent that's as apparent as yours no. or even know how to do anything with it.
7: That's the thing is I gotta didn't help have. Find I didn't that have out. anything. Yeah, I had nothing. No oh, family, you, no vehicle, yeah. no nothing. I didn't have anything when I got sober. Didn't you? really? At Twenty-one years old, I had nothing. Jobless, homeless, helpless. At the bottom, nothing. I had ruined every relationship close to me. What and gave so, you?
1: What gave you the movement there? Just the twelve step and your leader believing your, in a higher power. Yeah,
7: and then being indulging in a twelve step program. I was like, you know what? these guys are doing something Turn i got it over. To, so i i surrounded myself with a few of those people who had long term sobriety and i thought i'm just going to do what these guys are doing cuz nothing i'm doing is working yeah i didn't think i was going to be a professional athlete yeah. i didn't think i was going to make it i didn't think i'd make it 10 years i didn't know on 10 year on my 10 year sobriety birthday I fought in front of millions of people. Was it on that date? On the date. How cool When does that happen, right? Now, first time in my 27-fight career, I got stopped. So I lost. And I walked out of there. But you had won. And I stayed sober. Yeah. (gasps) That's it. And you know what? I was okay. It almost had to
1: happen that way.
7: Absolutely. Because then
1: that showed you, you can do it.
7: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what life is, overcoming obstacles. Yeah. But – you know, it's, it's – there's so many people struggling and there's so uh, – there's so much stigma surrounding addiction. People don't want to ask for help. Right. And you don't have to suffer alone. You know, talk to somebody about it. Go to somebody in your community. Go can to they the 12-step program. Where
1: can they go on – if they just go to courtmcgee.com – is they they there go a place, to And is there a place that they could just talk to you or contact you? Or? They could
7: email me through bookings at courtmcgee.com. Yeah. They can get on there. You know, If you have a group that you know that's struggling or a high school or you have some sort of facility in it, I mean, we've spoken But from, get someone close to you too that knows you, right? Yeah. That, that you already trust to open up to. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. You can contact me through my website or get somebody that you know and trust. Yeah. If you want to speak, uh, book a speaking engagement, yeah, that's you can a big deal. contact bookings. At, uh, so if you, have, you
1: know, if you have groups, go to your website, Court McGee, and then just get speaking. And then there's a – or in the contact section, contact
7: speaking. Yeah, yep. Is bookings at, yeah, email me at bookings what's, at courtmcgee.com. We've got about
1: uh, 30 seconds. What would you say, Court, is the one thing that all of us should remember when it comes to uh, the people we love that are suffering with addiction or if somebody is suffering with their own addiction? What's the thing we can't forget? Don't give up five minutes before the miracle happens. That's cool. It'll come. Yep. The miracle will come. Don't give up. Court McGee's his name, folks. Uh, CourtMcGee.com. Go check out his website there. He'll have a book coming out sometime. It's going to be huge. Yes. Huge, as Donald Trump says. And Kenley, Kenley what's your last name and what, where can they get information about you? Kenley is a, a friend, of Court's, but is also a, just a great resource. Uh, Kenley McAvoy, also available at dot com. What a, what a good team, folks. Okay, we'll take a break. Come visit our good buddies at Sports Nation. Thanks, Court. Thanks, Kenley. Appreciate both of you. Interesting, folks. We need the help, don't we? We need the help. We've, we, we've got it. Don't give up right before the miracle. This is the Matt Townsend Show, helping you find the good in the world. Stick with us.
2: Singing
9: in the dead of night take these eyes and learn to see
2: mm-hmm. on your you waiting for this moment to be free
1: welcome back everybody to the Matt Townsend show ah great show I'm telling you I mean an MMA fighter he was giving me the eye too I don't know if you saw that I saw that He's like I could take this guy. He could break me like a twig. Let's shoot it down to our good buddies down there at BYU Sports Nation. Find out what's coming up with them on their show today. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, Gavna. Hello, Gavna. Hello,
9: Hello, Matthew. We
1: just had Court McGee here, a, a UFC fighter. Nice. Yeah, it was pretty cool, and uh, he, you know, he he just wants to do a little a little event with me where we we spar a little bit.
6: Don't do
1: it. You know, I saw my life for past. your own safety. Pass before my eyes.
6: UFC is coming uh, to Salt Lake in August.
1: Are they? Yeah. Are they now?
6: For the first time ever.
1: Are are you guys? Are you guys big UFC fighter watchers?
6: Uh, no. But I keep tabs on it from afar.
1: I can't stop watching it. I mean, I, I, I don't. It's probably it's violent, but it's. I sit there and I think, how do you take a hit like that and then at the very end, hug each other and smile?
6: Yeah, pretty crazy, right? Isn't that weird? That you can gear down like that.
4: Yeah.
1: I mean, I couldn't do it. I mean, when I fight with my kids, I just got to take them out.
6: Yeah, you can, sometimes you can't hug it out.
1: You can't hug it out. Hey, um, guys, uh, I got to tell you about a story because the minute I saw it, I thought of you two. Okay. Did okay. you? And we'll post the video on my uh, Twitter site. But um, a Florida man stole $44 worth of steaks and. And also, uh, the video I saw was another video, the one we'll post. It had, he had ribs, too. He, but he, um, $44 worth of steaks, is it's a lot of steaks, right? And yes. he ended up pulling out, I don't know, about seven or eight meat products out of his pants.
6: Oh, I saw this video. Like
1: entire sides of ribs yeah. and more ribs. Listen. More ribs.
6: Modern Jean Valjean, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Two, four, six, oh, one. <laughs> you still with us, Matt?
1: That's incredible. <laughs> I, it is. It's the modern story of Jean Valjean. Dude, uh,
6: dude's got to pull out steaks and ribs. <laughs> what, was that what was that number?
1: What was that number again? Cough
6: buttoning. Here, uncough button so we can all hear it.
1: Okay. Okay. Are, are you ready? <laughs>
4: you right? got me there you're you all right, really brother, got me there, is he man? coughing is he dying okay there, brother?
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh that is classic i had no idea you were going to break into song that's I great did,
6: did I. I just let the moment come to me
1: <laughs> <laughs> um so here's here's i guess the question is how many pounds of meat can one stash in his pants before he decides it's too much to or you're going to get caught
9: uh, <laughs> good, good, good question. I, I don't, I don't know. That's our
1: Twitter question for the day.
9: Are you wearing MC Hammer pants? <laughs>
1: yeah. Are they parachute Get pants? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we don't know the pound, but we do know it's forty-four dollars worth.
6: You got to pray just to make it today. <laughs> cool. Too legit. Too, too legit.
9: Too, to, 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 hey. hey. <laughs> <laughs> That's like what that is was going on. No, We're this is great. Again, ever.
1: this is great radio. All, I knew all I had to do was just bring up the question, and that I had no idea we'd be quoting Jean Valjean.
9: To, what was the number? Do. It, just, two, four, it just
6: Happens It just happens that way,
1: Matt.
6: <laughs> Area code two four six zero
1: one. Oh, that is crazy. Okay, so that that's going on. Um, uh, I think there's a world, There's a, a national championship. Game going on soon, right? For the and that, NBA title?
9: And that, oh, okay. And that would be a, a world, world championship. Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah, world championship. Because yeah, in the
6: United States, if you win here, you would claim it to be the world title <laughs> in baseball and basketball. Well, look, in the
9: football. NBA, there are a bunch of guys all over the planet that are coming to play in the NBA because they know exactly. it's yeah, In baseball, level. though, if I were in Japan, I'd be like, what the heck, man? Yeah, how do you know that's a world yeah.
1: championship? Yeah. No, like, totally. What a... We are so arrogant that way. Come on, absolutely. But it is a world championship.
9: Yes, I'm just looking forward to seeing uh, Stephen Curry play in his air uh, middle-aged father uh, kicks <laughs> that he's just for really, Have you seen those? No,
1: I'm going to go look them up right now. What what are they? You
9: might be wearing a pair
6: without <laughs> knowing it, Matt.
1: Are they are they middle aged They're middle age kicks. They well,
9: look like the shoes that you would wear to mow the lawn on Saturday afternoon.
1: Well, let me tell sure, you, that, I. Just mowed the lawn Saturday.
9: Or that your grandma might wear.
6: <laughs>
1: oh.
9: Or that a nurse might wear in the hospital.
1: Do you know what? I have nursing shoes like that.
9: Do you? Have no, you Googled it? Have you seen yeah, it? Yeah,
1: I've got them right now.
9: Stephen they're, Curry's new shoes.
1: They're there. Hold on. Why? But they're Under Armour. Yeah. They're Under Armour. But they yes. look. They, they're. But they do look orthopedic. <laughs> <laughs>
9: Do they serve an orthopedic function? It seems
1: like didn't he twist an ankle or something? Seems like he needs high tops, and he's not wearing high tops.
6: These aren't what he wears in games.
1: Oh, he just he's just sporting them around yeah, town. He
6: wears he wears high tops. Yeah.
1: yeah. Why? Um, why? What's he supposed to wear off? You know, when Look, he's off the he's court. If he's
9: dropping thirty plus in the NBA Finals, who cares? Who cares?
1: Man. Yeah. Who cares you know, if he's a nurse at night?
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 Who cares?
9: Kevin Love needs to be dropping
6: dimes like his State Farm commercial says a little more. Totally. Draymond Green out tonight. Game five. Here we go.
1: Here we go. What's going to happen? Do you guys want to have a little uh, prediction?
6: I think the Warriors still win, but the Cavs could win tonight on the road if they play a great game. Draymond Green is the key cog defensively for that team.
1: Yeah. I don't think he likes to be called a cog. Why
9: isn't Draymond Green playing? Because he's a tool. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) He's... He's he tired. A, he gets a little aggressive. He doesn't sometimes. want to play. Yeah, he doesn't want to play.
6: They upgraded a foul from game four. Yeah, he was uh, on the fringe of being suspended with one more flagrant foul mm. um, or two technicals, and so now he's out. Which to me, that's the league going. Listen, we want at least six games in this for TV viewership and money, and uh, we'll be good. I mean, like that's not the actual conversation, but at the end, they're of like, day, that's the end kind result of what's going on. Here. Mm-hmm.
1: Ah, yeah. it's a conspiracy.
6: By the way, on our show today, yeah, what's, what's uh, Jimmer happened? Fredette will be on the program today. Oh, cool. You heard of him?
1: Uh, yeah. I've heard of him. Have you seen his shoes off court?
6: He signed uh, initially a deal with Spalding. Shoes, which I didn't know they had shoes. I didn't either. Until Jimmer signed with them. But yep. we will uh, we'll talk to Jimmer. What, what's his what's his pro uh, contract situation? Where okay. is he going to play next year? What's going on there? And what does he think of the future of BYU Hoops right now? Hmm. Plus, our Twitter question today is fun. Oh, Based Matthew. off of the Brazil Peru game where Peru scored on a handball, there's no video review, to beat Brazil and knock Brazil out of Copa América. What is the, let's see, what is it? What is the most controversial Colombian history that you still lose sleep over? What do
9: you have nightmares about still, Matt? Yeah. Wow.
1: I don't, I, I let things go. I just put on some lay and I yeah, just let exactly. stuff go.
6: Exactly. So, yeah, it's a great that would question be though.
1: today. Well, man, again, you've done it again and you seem to have dropped an incredible quote, uh, or clip that we'll be using for years.
6: I can't I can't wait to hear it. Again.
1: This is uh, we'll, tomorrow we promise we will replay it. Ooh,
9: a promise. Man. A promise is a promise.
1: A promise is a promise and from <laughs> us, it's about 75% likely it'll happen.
9: of the time, it happens all the time. (laughs) It works every
1: time. It works every time. Guys, go uh, wax up, get your makeup on, and have a great show.
9: You got it, brother.
0: Peace
1: out. Remember who you are. BYU Sports Nation, folks, it's at the top of the hour. You only have to wait about five and a half more minutes to enjoy more. Five minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah, Five minutes and 18 seconds um, to enjoy more of the great uh, brotherhood that we call BYU Sports Nation. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah, I didn't realize Draymond Green's out of the game tonight So that's going to change the entire Scenario Except they also have, I don't know, eight other players That could Not do what Green does But I haven't got a call yet So apparently I'm not suiting up tonight But Court did ask me to wrestle Or to fight him
8: I was here um, the whole time I, I don't remember that
1: now me a note. Oh really? Court's like, I need someone to spar with me. No one can spar with me in Utah because they don't fight quite like I do. So,
8: You mean like curl up in the fetal position and fall over?
1: Wow. Wow. Oh, by the way, it's also Ben's last day. If any of you are keeping score, this is the last day that Ben will be on the show.
8: Every once in a while, I need to get a good hit in. Yeah. It protects my self-esteem.
1: Yeah, well, just take your self-esteem and get out of here. It's National Kitchen Klutzes Day. This is Ben making some ice cream. Yep, that's right. If you broke a dish today, then guess what? It's your lucky day because it's National Kitchen Klutzes Day. Klutzes Day. It's the day that even if you can't get it right in the kitchen, today's your lucky day. It's also sewing machine day. One of the least popular days in a lot of ladies' lives. <laughs> I'm not just a sewing machine.
8: Yeah, we had no idea how to plan or celebrate this, this no. day.
1: It was... But you know what I might do? I might pop a button, just tear a hem, anything I can do for my wife, who would then hand me some, you know, some thread and say, why don't you sew that back on for yourself there, fella. Uh, as we told you earlier, um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's it's not easy. It's just not easy being a human on this crazy ball of mud. We talked about the fact that they banned uh, jeans, skinny jeans, which is from our point of view here on the Matt Townsend Show, a blessing from on high. Oh! They also should ban um, really tight clothing worn by anybody, uh, especially anybody that should not be wearing tight clothing. Totally agree. I bought a shirt. My Actually, I think my wife bought me an exercise shirt and I put it on and I looked not to brag, but I looked like I was ripped. And um, But it was because the shirt was so tight <laughs> and for a second I thought, hey, it's like I'm skinnier. And then I showed her, and she's like, yeah, we'll take that back. Kind of rude. As you know, we always like to end the show on a hero story. And uh, today's heroes are golfers. Tyler Moore. And Danny Ortega, golfing buddies, and they save a man and his dog from drowning. Listen to this story. Tyler Moore and Danny Ortega have been playing Silverado Golf Course in Scottsdale, Arizona, for the past year or so. And on May 18th, the twosome were safely on the green on the 14th hole when Ortega said to his playing partner, Things don't look right over there. I don't know what's going on. Moore said they they, uh, should go check it out. I thought it was the dog at first. Just a dog, Moore said. But when I saw it was a guy, I just jumped out of the cart and started running over there. Jim Palachek and his Australian shepherd dog, Duke, were out uh, for a run when the game uh, and a game of fetch that morning. And it ended up in the canal. Palachek said the ball uh, that uh, says a ball that has crevices and bounces awkwardly bounded into the water. Duke, the dog, instinctively dove into the water and Palachek went in after him. Within a minute, he knew getting out was not going to be easy. And it was about then that these would-be angels with really low handicaps came in and helped him out of the bank. He said, I was staring at a face that was looking at me like he was going down. Tyler hit the edge of the canal to grab Jim while Danny ran to the cart. I don't even think I, I just said, grab a club. I think I can reach him. So they grabbed a club, dragged him in. They got the dog. They got the guy. They saved lives, folks. Those are heroes. That's why we do the show. We just got to be there for each other. Times are tough with what happened in Orlando, but we just got to be there for each other. Until tomorrow, take care of each other. Check, watch each other's backs. We'll be back again tomorrow. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Take care until tomorrow.